Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, Andy Serkis, and Colin Farrell. Written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig, and directed by Matt Reeves. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. It's time to tackle one of 2022's most anticipated films. It was certainly on my list of top three of the year when we did that little countdown. I believe that was in the Spider-Man episode. But here we are, The Batman. This just came out this week. Uh, we had to take a bit of a, a, a bit of a hiatus <laughs> the last week. I was under the weather, feeling better now. Uh, unfortunately, we're probably going to have to table Notorious for the time being, but we're going to come back to it. And maybe that's just an excuse to do another Hitchcock cast. Yeah. Because those last three weeks were so much fun, at least for us to like get in the weeds thematically and really kind of look at a lot of that stuff. And I rewatched Marnie a couple weeks ago. Oh wow, how was that? Uh, it was it was interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the, the movie's just a little rapey, huh? Yeah, a little rapey. Uh, you know, Sean Connery's really good in it, but I don't know. There's just there's something about it. It's it's definitely lower tier Hitchcock, but mm-hmm. a lot of interesting stuff to to talk about in that one. So, well, Notorious is a good jumping off point. Maybe we could do something that's in that espionage kind of vein. Yeah, I thought about that too. Like maybe even just a spy cast that's like you know, other spy films that aren't like Bond or something like that. but Or just the aforementioned Cary Grant cast. There you go. Yeah, we could do that. So anything else? You watch anything else? Because I got a couple just random thoughts on some stuff I watched, but you first. Um, I did watch, I finally got around to seeing Resident Evil, uh, Return, Welcome to Raccoon City, which I love that video game franchise. And mm-hmm. this film was a little more to the true to the fans and the characters, but it was pretty terrible. Was <laughs> so it? it wasn't very good. Uh, other than that, uh, just kind of my usual, just through older movies, schlock from the 80s, uh, things like that. So that was probably the most recent thing that really kind of jumped out. I did Antlers. Oh, okay. No. It's terrible. I, um, I think what that movie was advertised was, was at least from what I got from the trailer, mm-hmm the Jersey devil is captured in, in some kid's attic and he's got to feed it. It's not that at all. And the movie, although as a horror film is so bleak and dreary that it almost washes away any scare elements that might be in it. And they're actually hard to come by once you actually get into it and see what the quote unquote monster is. Okay. Um, really, really dreary to not good. It was, it was Speaking not of bleak and dreary today. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. I saw one other one that just jumped to me. I, I, I'll probably check out Antlers. That one was on my radar just to kind of assess it. Yeah. I saw The Kingsman. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed with oh, that really? one. I thought I was definitely missing Taron and yeah. Colin Firth. And that was pretty funny. I was like, the, the Kingsman has a, a Thanos level mid credit scene with Hitler. <laughs> Yeah, fine. I'll do it myself. Yeah, but I, I I'm curious if they do decide to do another prequel, World War II era Kingsman. I guess I wanted more laying of the ground of what we see in the later films. Thought Ray Fiennes was really good in it though. But yeah, I, I saw that one as well. Mm-hmm. Excellent. But in honor of uh, Bruce Wayne, uh, Thomas Wayne, this is 
Thomas S. Moore, uh, uh, straight bourbon whiskey, finished in Cabernet cask. So it's going to be a little sweeter. It's The color is definitely going to be a, lo- a lot more richer. So mm. I love that bottle, too. So Bruce Gorgeous. Wayne. Mm. Yeah, not bad. Good way to start, but we've got mm. a lot to talk about today, I'm sure. Let's dive right in uh, to our flight question. Why don't you go ahead and hit us with the flight question this week? So I asked you to go back in time to the days when Bob Kane and Bill Finger, but Mm -hmm. Bob Kane essentially created Batman. And I want you to relaunch this character, but in the relaunching of Batman, I'd like you to give him a superpower. Now here are the rules though. Okay. The superpower can't mostly change the story of Batman as we've got it to now. Like, I don't want you to turn him into a Superman yeah. or some X-Men. You can't change the mythos. He yeah. still needs to be the street level protector of Gotham or vengeance, depending how you want to break it down in what film. Mm-hmm. And so I'm letting you have one choice. Okay. And I know for Ry Nation, a lot of you are probably saying, well, dummies, he has a superpower and it's his brain. We are acknowledging that. Yeah. We are accepting that. It's also his dashing good looks and his size of his wallet. Yeah. So this is something. What does Ben Affleck say? I'm rich. I'm rich. (laughs) So I guess we're building something on the supernatural front insofar as his super ability. Excellent. What'd you come up with? Yeah, I tried to think of something that was germane to bats and... uh, Something that would give him an advantage in, you know, fighting crime. And God, I wonder if we're going the same way here. In this kind of detective element. Mm-hmm. I'm going with something, and the way I'm going to use it might differ from if we did pick the same. I'm kind of, I'm going to go with night vision. Mm, okay. Uh, you know, bats, you know, they communicate by sonar and it's sound waves that they are able to see through the dark. I don't know how you make a human do that. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But if he had some sort of like just way to see better in the dark, I mean, he already has a cape and... Uh, the cowl, which God, that's things got to be a nightmare to see through. Yeah, but it also helps him in the detecting. Like if this night vision enhances his ability to see fingerprints, or you know, like when someone enters in like a key code, he can see the four numbers they used, and he can deduce that it's a this combination. The Arkham games do a variation on this. They call it detective mode, where he can see the wires through the walls that lead to this to unlock that. So I'm thinking of a variation on that. It's something that's going to enhance his detecting, but also germane to the bat mythos. So I'm not saying he needs to get bitten by a bat, or maybe, I don't know. <laughs> okay, Morbius. <Yeah. laughs> Dear God. Coming soon. Exactly. Uh, so I'm going to go with night vision. Good choice. Yeah. I also went the same route, okay. and I chose something that would be in the realm of bat abilities. And I think the two that came up would be flight. Okay. And this is what sparked the conversation that I had with myself during Batman. Okay. Um, and then the other one would be a radar-like ability, maybe in the realm of the way we see it used with Daredevil. Okay. Um, almost precog, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the realm of vision, like you were talking about. But since you already did vision, I'll do flight. Okay. 
And I got to tell you, the reason that I chose that and the reason I had this conversation posed the flight question B, which was what's the most overrated superpower of all time? Mm -hmm. I think it's flight. It would be the coolest one to have, I think. Kind of, but it's mostly mostly worthless, Um, especially when you take a character like Batman. And the moment I I snapped on this, so Mm -hmm. I'd give him flight. Okay. And I don't think it would change his arc one bit. No, yeah. Is when he jumps off the top of whatever tower it is and puts on his bat squirrel suit. Here you go. Yeah. And I got to be thinking about how many times we've seen Batman without the ability to fly Mm -hmm. actually through some manner of technology or whatever fly. Mm -hmm. And it mostly hasn't moved the needle at all for him. And if you even want to include like the grappling gun system, that's a version of flight per Mm -hmm. se. Yeah. And so that got me thinking in the second question, which I'll just pose to you now Mm -hmm. Is flight the most cool? Yes, it's cool, but oh, is it for, is it a worthless superpower for travel? Yes, <laughs> when, when you're when you're fighting to to get from point A to point B, it's going to help you out tremendously. Yeah, um, I was wondering a little bit about that at the end of this movie specifically, but we'll we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I think you can't really you know punch your villains with flight unless it's like super strength coupled with flight, like Superman has. I was gonna say, uh, and not to you know. And this is why Spider-Man is so good, too. I think that set of powers, mm-hmm. well, cool and useful, is a complete nightmare. Oh, yeah. Sticking to everything, shooting webs out from everywhere. I mean, heightened senses, like almost like bordering on like the stimulation, like coming into Spider-Man must just be completely insane. Not a great skill set, but he makes the most of it. But again, that's that curse of those powers to Spider-Man. He makes the most of it. Again, great power and great responsibility. The reason I guess maybe flight was on my mind is uh, this last couple of weeks we've decided to jump back into the X Men with my daughter. The cartoon? No, no, the the movie series. Oh, okay. I, I wish you'd want to do the cartoon because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. As chronologically as we can, mostly do it. Like we didn't do first class first. We probably should have. You doing like release order? Yeah, kind of, but so sort of release order with a nod to chronological. So we're, we're up to Logan now. Okay. And we're not going to do dark Phoenix. Okay. That's out. Yeah. But the thing that really occurred to me with the flight and maybe got me thinking about this in Batman is how ridiculous angel is. Mm. And even in apocalypse, which that movie is a piece of shit also. Yeah. He only becomes kind of worthwhile once apocalypse makes him over. And by the way, that's Oscar Isaacs. Did you know that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Makes him over into, they, they kind of waste Oscar Isaac by, Burying him underneath all that makeup <laughs> and waste a really cool villain. I really, that movie's not good. I know. Um, and like when Angel is just Angel, and I think his first appearance is in maybe X two, and it's um, Ben Foster. Mm-hmm. Oh, three is that three? Yeah, yeah. The Last Stand. You're yeah. right. Um, yeah, he kind of just swoops. Kind in. of worth. It's kind of. I mean, it's cool. He swoops in to save his dad, and that's it. Sort of sucks. Yeah. Uh, the other one I kind of thought, you know, I'd try to think of the stigma of being a superhero. The Thing, who would want to be The Thing, man? I mean, Brutal. just rock monster. Uh, strength, useful, but you can't go anywhere. You're just a weirdo. So kind of hard to hide the the image aspect. of. That's why, you know, Batman's so good is he's just able to hide it underneath the facade of Bruce Wayne or, you know, or Clark Kent, even though anyone can notice that disguise. So... No, it was a good conversation. It was a good conversation to kind of think what's useful and what 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 could enhance the already you know well grounded mythos of the Batman. One more sidetracking question, then we'll get to the okay. show proper. Yeah, you brought up the Fantastic Four, and as you know, that's 
after Spider after Spider Man and Daredevil, they're number three, mm-hmm. probably tied with the X Men, depending what team you want to give me as far mm-hmm. far as who I really like. Yeah. The way that that team is constructed with the Invisible Woman and the Human Torch mm-hmm. and the Thing and Reed Richards, yep. do they present the largest development or production challenges with the skill set that they have? How do you make the Thing not look completely ridiculous yep. on screen? Are you talking about like like yeah. in film? And then the Invisible Woman, how do you know? She's just not there. And Maybe then they get Claude Rains to play that part. They probably could. <laughs> uh, and then you have the stretching effect yeah. of, fan, I mean, it, it kind of doesn't, it didn't really work in those mid 2000s films that they did. So how they kind of didn't try, you think they could try a little harder now, but man, I think that presents some really, really monumental challenges. To that production crew that has to figure those things out. I mean, the human torch looks good on screen. I think yeah. that's the easiest one to do. Shockingly. Yes. But you're right. Yeah. That's development wise. Yeah. How do we make this not completely preposterous? <laughs> we'll see. We'll story see. for another day because that's coming exactly yeah in a couple of, whenever it's in the de- marvel development pipeline but it's not marvel today it's dc's turn today <laughs> let's jump right into our review breakdown of the batman from your secret friend who having a clue play a game just me and you any of this mean anything to you you're becoming quite a celebrity why is he writing to you I really, really dig that first trailer that was coupled to this film and maybe a bit of a problem with, you know, we, we tried to make the pact of not watching the Doctor Strange trailer. And I'll tell you that second Doctor Strange trailer kicks ass. I mean, I'm so excited to see that now. Sweet. Um, I don't know if I've seen that one. They played it before the before the Batman. I don't know if it, it if it was you saw the first one or the, or the second one, but oh. I wa- there was three trailers for this film and I watched them a lot. And when I went and saw the movie, I was like, ah, oh, gosh, these trailers the showed so much mm-hmm. the best fight scenes, the best kind of action moments. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot other than plot wise a lot of surprise left for me. So I was a little disappointed that. They, they, they continue to keep showing the entire movie with these. Make a good trailer. I mean, using something in the way and making it all lethargic and everything. I thought that was a pretty interesting way, but um, we can talk about that a little bit further. But let's start at the beginning of the movie. Uh, we start with uh, the mayor, uh, Mayor Mitchell, coming coming home, and he's turning on the news, just kind of checking what's out, uh, what's going on. And then he's assaulted and murdered by the Riddler. Paul Dano's the the Riddler. Uh, I like uh, when my Batman films start with the villain. That way we can kind of establish, you know, the antagonistical force that we're going to be dealing with. 
What'd you kind of think of this? This is very reminiscent. Well, a lot of this film is very reminiscent of Seven, Zodiac, um, you know, those, essentially the film, if Fincher made a Batman movie, this is what it would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, almost bordering, I don't know how you feel, almost bordering on thievery at times. No. Okay, you're already taking my issues. Yes. Okay, go, go ahead. Yeah. I, I felt like, you know, the sequel to Seven was Bat- the Batman. Um. And we'll get into it later, but even like down to the John Doe admission in the police station and his John Doe apartment, <laughs> his his manifestos and his clippings to the message under the floor. Mm-hmm. It was it, it didn't maybe border on theft. Mm-hmm. To me, it was straight out grand larceny. <laughs> Taking that character and putting and I've always thought that I was like, if they ever did a realistic Riddler, it it would be something like John Doe. And I don't want to see John Doe right. again. I want to see a dark take on it, you know, done in the vein of seven. This gets to the question <clears throat> that I think a lot of people had coming into this film. Okay. A lot of people, I guess, I mean, you and me, because okay. that's really all I've talked to about it. So okay. I shouldn't sound so pretentious. But sure. what is this Batman going to do differently than the other ones? Mm. And we, when we first started talking about this, maybe it was on mic, maybe it was off mic. I remember you telling me what you had read was this is going to play out like kind of a procedural detective crime drama. Yeah. Okay, so that's in the wheelhouse of the seven trope, if you will. Mm-hmm. The problem is, though, it rains the whole movie in seven, and Gotham never has like a dry day there. Yeah. And the other problem, as dark as seven is for essentially a Seattle like town, Mm -hmm. this Gotham has exactly two days that are days, two two scenes that are in the day. It's the funeral, and then it's when he kind of tells Catwoman goodbye before they go their separate ways on the motorcycle. And even those scenes are very dark. (laughs) And that creates a tone in your film. Mm That I think with Batman applies, but it gets to back the question, what's it going to do differently? And Batman's been dark. Yeah. Again, you're not going to make that a light Aquaman, colorful, pretty. It's it's not that. I'm going to make a spinal tap joke here. Like yeah. With Batman, I'm like, how much more black can it be? And the answer is none. None more black. Because yeah. the yeah. Nolan stuff got darker than what Schumacher was doing. For sure. And then we went and did Snyder, and Snyder is just this gloomy, yep. uh, sepia-toned Gotham with not, not a day, another rainy Gotham. And now we get to this version. I'm like, I don't know how much farther we can go into this where, you know, there's any hope of, of light or, or just just tonally. And I think it's important to remember, and this isn't the, the best example, but it's something I really like in the Bat canon. I like the animated series, and I do really enjoy Batman Forever with Kilmer. It's important to remember that Batman can still be fun yeah. uh, on top of being dark and dreary. I had an interesting experience. I mean, my theater was mostly pretty sold out. I can't remember a time that it was as full as it was that it was mostly a very silent mm-hmm. uh, audience. Audience, mm-hmm. And that was because the film didn't really give them a lot to react to. I think the funniest line or most reactive line is when Alfred's like, you could have pulled that punch. He's like, I did. (laughs) And I think there was a chuckle there. And I was like, that was a pretty restless audience. I mean, and maybe they were just in shock of the movie, but it didn't give them a lot to respond to because we're just kind of dreary the whole time. They did a John Doe like Riddler, but man, his costuming in this, although creepy and very gimpy, if the gimp was a serial killer. The gimp from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. (laughs) is dying mm-hmm. 
for color. Yeah. Doesn't need to be green with black question marks with red, bright red hair, but man, does that need to be, it can't be camo olive, not cut. I'm sorry, not camo olive army combat mask green. It, that for me, very drab, even Jesse, even if they had done something with his glasses instead of making them clear, yeah, they should have made them red. Yeah. Just, just to, just to pop some color, break it up somehow. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. It was especially with the, towards the end and we're, getting close to three hours, I was like, man, I'm just, I don't know if I'm depressed or if I just need some light or need to see the sun. So, but I feel bad for Gotham. It's so dark here. I'm going to talk about that too, because I think there's an interesting conversation I'd like to have with you about Gotham. I, I was worried. So for everybody out there, we're cutting the show a tad late today because I couldn't get to the movie theater yesterday because we were sold out. So we're a little later than normal. But to your credit, you 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 allowed me uh, to sit with this movie a couple more days in my brain. Oh, yeah. So I don't. That's it, going to be good and bad. So so you said something that you know got off the phone and and I kept thinking where you made the comment by the end of the movie I felt the weight of it and I just thought oh man if this dude's weighed down by the heaviness of what Batman might be per length or runtime. Mm-hmm. So. Back to the essential question then, I guess, is what do we want from this Batman? And I don't know what I wanted. I was intrigued with the detective element. Yeah. Because that's essentially what Batman is, right? Yeah. Solving crimes. And the Riddler, I think, poses the best opportunity for the blade sharpener for Batman matching wits. The Joker, to a degree, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. But the Riddler just wants to prove that he's smarter than Batman and ultimately ends up being his undoing. Exactly. I kind of wanted to see more of a battle of wits between these two. Okay. I'm I'm smarter than you and and whatnot. And they kind of don't really go there. It's Didn't the Riddler have him beat? Well, the Riddler had him beat. And then the Riddler also like just gives away information. Yeah. To the news and to the his whatever his TikTok channel is or whatever. Five hundred followers. Oh God. That scene. Um I kind of wanted to see, you know, Batman solving puzzles. These riddles were just more like clever comments on like blind justice and poetic justice and whatnot. It didn't really unlock it. Like it unlocked the next location to which I'm reminded of films like Reminiscence where it was like, okay, Hugh Jackman's like trying to find this baby and it's taking him here and it's taking him there. And I kind of felt we were doing a little bit of that. And I did it. I will get there, but I liked the team up of Batman and Gordon trying to do this together. I thought that was interesting. Didn't it feel too on the nose for Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman to you, though? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Somerset and Mills. Young and old. Black and white. (laughs) Yep. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that until just this second. Well, maybe then. So maybe the answer is no on that. So good. Yeah. But now now I think about it. So the parallels are even more there. But let's talk about Batman. Let's talk about his introduction. I actually kind of like how they introduced the character here in the very beginning. It's Halloween night. All the freaks are out in Gotham. And I like this kind of monologue. It really reminded me of like the long Halloween and these comics that use Batman's voiceover as almost very Philip Marlowe detective film noir, Mm -hmm. which is what I think we were looking for. Sure. Uh, As he's kind of talking about the cesspool of Gotham and that signal goes in the sky and it's not a signal, but it's a warning. And I like how the petty criminals are like intimidated by Mm -hmm. shadow and the mystery of, oh God, he's out there. Maybe I shouldn't steal this Twinkie. (laughs) Um, And I like how this uh, Batman and this film might have more in common. Maybe there's parallels to the Nolan stuff, but maybe more with that 89 Batman uh Michael Keaton, Tim Burton being that that's an established Batman that we get in late with. We don't kind of start with the young days and same here. We kind of just see him patrol the streets uh, in his motorcycle. And when he sees crime, 
then he's going to change into the Batman in, in this in this subway. And when he kind of comes out of the shadows there, they're going to, this hazing uh, ritual for this juggalo gang or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he comes out of the shadows, and I don't know if you picked up on this, like, sound effect, but I could have swore he had spurs on his boots. Sounded like. Sounded a like a sheriff. Western. Like a cowboy, mm-hmm. and I thought that was cool. Yeah. The way that sounded on the rain as he just emerges from the shadows, uh, very effective, very cool. Um, and to talk about Pattinson, um, just his performance, I think he has really good presence when he's in the suit. And I think the suit works well for him. Um, this, is, it, this isn't this is like a molded rubber that we've seen before. It looks like something he put together himself. It's very tactical, mm-hmm. cargo uh, uh, pants with a lot of pockets, uh, the belt. The one thing I don't like on the suit, and I already pre-ordered the uh, Sideshow collectible six-scale figure of this Batman. I don't like the nose. Uh, I kind of want a pointy nose. Smash down, yeah. It's kind of like a, like oval. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, if it was pointy, it would be pr- a pretty perfect costume. But I think he's just looks good in it. Uh, he's got good screen presence. What would you kind of think of this intro of our new Batman? Yeah, I love that too. Mm-hmm. This presence that is the boogeyman for the boogeyman, mm-hmm. the bad guys. Yeah. And what you do when you have that is relievingly, we skip all the shooting in the alley and the pearls and the moonlight and all that mom and dad getting yeah. like, we're so mm-hmm. we're late enough in the game to where he's already established. We're not so late in there though, that we have an older Batman and you see him in this movie, make some mistakes. And I found that to be mm-hmm. kind of a, a cool moment too. Like struggling a bit. Yeah. Kind of gets his ass kicked a couple times. Yeah. When that's kind of nice to see. Yeah. So he's not perfect yet, still younger, and you would have to do that with Pattinson. But no, his entrance is is fantastic. Unfortunately, um, no, I wouldn't say unfortunately. I think. No, I'm, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say that yet. I'll hold on to it. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, I think his entrance, per the entrance and the Spurs. Yeah, you're right. It, there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah, it's the showdown, and I thought. That was a really great representation of Gotham's protector. He's got that that kind of, I'm kind of back and forth on what I feel of the score of this thing, but that little theme, that bum, 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 as he's like emerging from the shadows, pretty cool. Like that's, uh, that's I, I really dug that. One of the issues that always comes up with each Batman costume, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, is okay. the cowl. Yeah. Talk to me about this cowl in comparison to that one or the 89 Batman or Zack Snyder or like, Ben Affleck in his tiny ears or like give me. Cause you didn't like the tiny ears. Yeah. I think they need to be bigger. Yeah. Um, I like, again, I don't like the nose. It's a little too flat. And I noticed that right from the first photos that were released. I think the mouthpiece fits Pattinson well. Cause he's got a very prominent, like square, square jaw. jaw. Yeah. So this really highlights that part of his face. Uh, the ears, uh, I don't mind the ears. And if you Look in detail on this cowl. You can almost see the stitching uh, around, like, the seams of the cowl. Like, he put it together himself. I think that's pretty cool. Not very durable, I can imagine. It's going to take some beating. It's not made of a very durable um, type of material. But for the most part, it really works for me. Yeah. Uh, my favorite cowl is still that Keaton one. I mean, that's yeah. the, 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 the the look, the rubber, the ears. It's the perfect length. Mm-hmm. Um Way way better than the, the and I like that it's a turnable head cowl. They took a lesson from Nolan to let's not do a motion that's this. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's better in combat, better while driving. Uh, it's just a more uh, utilitarian Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
yeah, I think it mostly works for me. Okay. About you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we leave, we leave this scene here. Uh, we go to the crime scene now of uh, Mayor Mitchell. And I kind of like this too. I kind of liked that, you know, Gordon's allies with the Batman. It's his only, that's like Batman's only ally. Because when he walks into this crime scene, all the cops are like, oh God, what's this guy doing here? The rep he has with the GCPD is like vigilante, uh insubordinate like won't listen tampering with evidence he's touching it he's like he's wearing gloves like let him do his thing um and then when the current police commissioner comes in and he's like just gives batman a really hard time but we find out that these clues that are being left here are direct addressed directly to the batman with this this letter and then man right out of zodiac a cipher <laughs> yep yep uh so we take that back to now. What did you think of this? I thought this was kind of deviating from the Batman mythos. Wayne Manor's like in the heart of Gotham City. Mm-hmm. I'm used to that being out in the country. Mm-hmm. Takes some time to get to. It's quiet. It's sequestered. It's secretive. So Batman's got to be a little careful of how he enters in the mansion. It's almost like through this covert subway entrance. He he goes geography wise. What did you think of that? Do you want him more in the action? The Batman purist to me was like, ah, I kind of want him in the country. <laughs> There's always like four really interesting things that come up with Batman. And number one, first we talked about already was the Batsuit. The second one is going to be invariably the Batmobile. Yeah. Third is going to be the depiction of Gotham. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Okay. And the fourth is what does Wayne Manor look like? Okay. It's specifically with Wayne Manor, not so much the tapestry as in the fine art, but where the Batcave is located in Wayne Manor. I'm with you. Okay. It plays better behind a waterfall in some small lake or something like that where it's out of the everyday run-of-the-mill passerby foot traffic. For the simple fact, that many people going by, your secret's going to be uncovered. Yeah. You're going to run into a J.B. Jeffries and he's going to look into a window at the wrong time and see. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> It's better if it's... Oh, I think I saw a Batman over there. Exactly. <laughs> It's better if it's on the outskirts. Yeah. I am 100% with you. And I wasn't entirely sure until later when Alfred is almost blown away mm-hmm. and we see the fire coming yeah. from this tower. That It's very church-like is what this building looks like. Uh, but we yeah. kind of see this relationship. I love the casting of Andy Serkis as Alfred. As uh, do I. To that. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay, yes. All right. Um, okay, right? So instead of so old that all you do is carry around some formal tray with like Mm-hmm. T and the letter from Miss Tuesday night on Wednesday morning after she's left. Yeah. This is a much more capable fisticuff ready jump down into the mud with the pigs kind of Alfred instead of Methuselah slinking around sure. with tea and crumpets shit. Alfred Goff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they don't do a whole lot with this Alfred. He nope. spends a good portion of this film in a hospital bed, but I love the casting. I love what they, they could do with this and their relationship is... Not on the fritz, but it's troubled. I mean, I think Alfred has takes some issue with this crime-fighting business. But it looks like he can be an ally. And a line literally from Zodiac. Uh, I think it comes from Gyllenhaal, maybe. Alfred figures out the cipher uh, by looking for double consonants. I mean, it's like we're solving it the same way we solve Zodiac. So we're doing Zodiac. We're doing John Doe. Um, but this is going to lead them to, like, the next clue um, and I did, oh, here's another thing too. And I want to know what you thought about this. So the next person that's killed on the Riddler's hit list is this commissioner that chewed out Batman in this opening bit. 
the Riddler's crimes take place kind of behind the scenes. I mean, we see the abduction of Peter Sarsgaard a little bit later of putting this bomb collar on him. I wish we would have had a scene where Batman comes across one of the, and we do get a little bit of that in the, in the uh, funeral scene with, with, with the bomb, but they're always finding these guys after the fact. I mean, we hear about this guy's uh, murder uh, on the news. Uh, and I wish this, this film likes to tell us a lot and not show us a lot. And then what it chooses to show us is questionable as well. I wanted to see more of like Batman stumbling across this guy, like saw almost like saw like, Oh my God, this guy's got this trap on him. I need to figure out how to get this thing off. No, this guy's killed off screen and we're searching for his thumb. Uh, which I like that joke, the thumb drive. I thought that was, I thought that was clever, but what do you think of that? Do you want to see more of like an attempt to discover these bodies? That's what seven does really well. Yeah, I do. Because if it starts off the way it starts off with every shadow might be the place where the Batman is veiled in violence coming to administer justice or vengeance on the crooks perpetrating the crime in Gotham, then this doesn't seem to jive with that setup. Mm -hmm. We both like the setup. Like every crook's looking down every alley. Maybe he's there. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Like this La Llorona from the ditches for criminals. Sure. Right? Kaiser Soze. Yep. Except when it comes to these really, really terrible crimes that the Riddler's committing. It also poses a larger question in that, what is the Riddler's, this is always a big issue for me with every Batman villain. Sure. What is the Riddler's ultimate goal? Okay, ultimately it's to expose the corruption in the Gotham City Police Department. Yeah. Which, man, Jesse... We have been told that story in Batman no less than 150 times. We know Gotham's, everyone's corrupt in Gotham other than Gordon and uh, Batman. And Batman. And Alfred. And usually it's, we're either going to kill Batman to remove the last beacon of justice or we're going to corrupt Batman and make him what he doesn't want to be. Those are the two ways it goes. Okay. Riddler wants to be friends with Batman. (laughs) So, yeah. So what I can't understand is what is the Riddler's insistence on showing all of this stuff to everyone instead of just communicating with Batman. John Doe doesn't have a desire to blow up this crime spree of these seven kills to the city of essentially Seattle to teach them a lesson. Instead, it's going to be told in his story after he's been incarcerated and finishes his plot. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. The Riddler seems very, very ready to want the acceptance or the adoration from the public that comes along with these crimes. But in so doing, it's going to make it much more difficult to get the number one prize on his hit list, which is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. That, that doesn't make sense. So Batman will know about mm-hmm. street thug beating up or slinging dope on the corner. Mm-hmm. And that fear that he might be around every corner keeps them somewhat in line. But the Riddler, he knows nothing about because he's a new villain, because this is new crime. No, Gotham's had murder before. Yeah, Those don't, to me, those don't jive. The Riddler is a superior criminal to street level baddie. I'll give him that. Yeah. And so maybe... And he's got an angle, too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's how he can hide, you know, some of the nefarious acts that he's committing along the way. But he undoes that by the constant broadcasting and the wide distribution of information through 
media, social or television or otherwise, in these crimes. Yeah, it's like he wants to keep it a secret, but he also wants to expose it. Right. Uh, so the secret is all these riddles and the corruption, trying to figure out who's the corrupt, who's the rat. It becomes the crux of this film. Uh, but then he just, he goes on the thing, he's shown secrets, and then the, the whole Wayne, Martha Wayne Arkham revelation later will, with with the orphanage. And then it becomes kind of a different thing for him. It becomes, well, I admire you, Batman. I hope we could kind of team up a little bit mm-hmm. as I literally cleanse the city. Again. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll build up to that. But I'm with you. I, I'm down with the exposing of corruption, even though, yeah, you're right. We've seen it to death. But at least that's a little clear. And I, for the, up to the midpoint of this film, I'm like, well, who is this rat? I'm kind of curious as, is it someone in the GCPD? Like, and, and then why is Peter Sarsgaard so scared to reveal it? And then when we find out, I was like, yeah, maybe you should just set it. It would have saved your life, bro. Um, but on this thumb drive, we find uh, nefarious pictures of the mayor with a local sex worker, prostitute. Uh, her name's Anika. And so we're able to kind of, couple that and so then now we're introduced to let's talk about these two new characters so we have zoe kravitz's Catwoman, cat burglar uh but this is anika's lover so to speak uh what do you think of this Catwoman and stuff and we've already got the penguin we've already got the riddler mm-hmm. and we're going to throw one more in the mix. And she's going to be more friend than Ally. foe. Yeah. yeah, so she's going to kind of team up and sort of serve as a Robin and essentially um, <laughs> Batman's sidekick kind of role. Sure. I like some of what they did with her. I like when he makes her wear those um, contact lenses that allow him... The camera? Yeah. Yeah, the access into... Um, the iceberg. The Penguins Club. Yeah, Iceberg 44, 44 Below or whatever it's called, where all of these people are taking drugs and sex industry is in full bloom. And I, I liked all that. Okay. I actually liked her more when she wasn't in the Catwoman costume. Sure, yeah. Um, I thought the beanie mask was silly. I thought that it looked really hokey, the fact that it was just kind of cut out. And that's a tough costume to pull off. It is. I know. It's, and it's hard to walk in the footsteps of Michelle Pfeiffer as well. Or Anne Hathaway. Sure, yeah. Or the Earth the Kid and Julie Newmar. There you go. So many Earth the Kid. <laughs> great cat women throughout sure. the years. And um again, I'm not a huge Zoe Kravitz fan, and I'm not really sure why she's getting so much traction right now, but um I will say this if that's gonna work on screen for me, there has to be noticeable chemistry between her and the Batman. And I felt none. Really? Okay. I did not feel it with them two in this. Really interesting. Them two thought, with, the, I, with those two in this. Them two. I'm gonna get the grammar police. Goodness in here. gracious! Uh, I thought they were pretty good together. But I'm with you. Like her not being the Catwoman, serving more as like this femme fatale, changing wigs, working, uh, you know, the midnight hour at the Iceberg Lounge. I thought that was interesting. Uh, they, they tried to do a little bit too much with her character. I kind of like that she's this spurned in this relationship with Anika and her arc would be, I'm going to get revenge for the abduction and the killing of this character to shut her up and cover the tracks of that. They get in the weeds with this character too. And it's like, Oh yeah, she's also Carmine Falcone's daughter. I'm like, <laughs> too much movie in a too movie. much Palpatine in a big old Gotham. Exactly. And in a three hour movie, it was like, it's not another twist. We needed upon this. I mean, her revenge is enough for me to be like, I could see why she'd be hell bent on this. 
It was she was in a relationship with this person. Why would she not be mad? I hadn't thought about that, Jesse. The fact that she happens to be Carmine Falcone's. Well, I mean that she. I knew that mm-hmm. it's told in the movie, but I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Gotham is this really large city, essentially New York, and we're working on like two families. Yep. That's why I said the Palpatine reference. Everybody in Star Wars is either a Palpatine or a Skywalker. Yeah. Despite it being millions and millions of planets across millions and millions of galaxies. Billions and billions of people, exactly. Yeah. One thing I don't think this Batman's, and then he's young, maybe he's just starting out. Uh, it, we're really focusing on the detective noir aspect. His, is he good at it? Is he good detective? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't either. <laughs> just because he gets a lot of the answers told to him or figured out for him or... The guy dies in front of him. The bomb explodes in his face. And then in the the final moment, there's an amazing Spider-Man 2 level of plot convenience towards the end of this movie that we're going to expose it on this podcast because uh, it was no one's talking about it, but how could you not be? Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. The stealth element. Uh, to me, my Batman like shows up in a room and he's in the corner. You turn the lights on. Oh, my God. How did you get there? This guy just rolls up to the Iceberg Lounge's front door and just walks through the patrons like it's not a big deal. So maybe he's working on that, but they don't do a good job of, like, the Batman in the shadows other than the opening scene. Uh, Except, that, right, but that's the problem. Yeah. He either is or he isn't. Yeah. The Batman in the shadows is going into a club filled with all of the criminals that are scared to death of him in the shadows. And the two guys that are the henchmen at the door, the two brothers. They let him in. <laughs> they're essentially this the street-level baddie. So, I mean, you can say that they are ready to fight him so that they can, you know, put a notch on their bedpost or sharpen their chops insofar as we took down the Batman. But you either exist in the shadows and play by the forces of the night and are hidden in darkness or cloaked, or you aren't. And that poses a really interesting question to me because he's going to return later to the club as Bruce Wayne. To cut the power. If you're going to... right. If you're going to be Batman, then I think you have to be Batman clandestine. If you're not going to be clandestine, then you still retain the skill set as Bruce Wayne. Sure. And you don't have to be clandestine. Mm-hmm. That's very garish and open and and magnanimous and opulent. It's like with the, all of his money. It's like the scene in 89 Batman when he's at Vicky Vale's apartment and he's Bruce I mean, he could have went and changed his Batman to come back to confront the Joker, but no, he stays as like the unhinged Bruce Wayne to fight. You want to get nuts? You know, let's what get I mean? nuts. Let's get nuts. So you're right. Bruce can serve a purpose. So this, yeah, well, he doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne in this one. I mean, this is the most Batman you're going to get of any Batman. He's in Batman like 90% of this film in that suit. The other thing, though, you brought it up, and I'm curious for a minute about okay. this. When I asked you, is he a good detective? Is because I, I agree. I don't I don't think he's a great detective. He's good at solving riddles, but to no avail. Riddles on the fly, yeah. Yeah, he's like, so he's smart. Yeah. Does that help or hurt this film? I think it hurts because the initial pitch was this is the detective roots of Batman. And to me, Batman's solving puzzles, he's figuring stuff out, he's tying two and two together, and they are spoon fed so much of the answers in this thing. And it's like, oh, you didn't really do a lot of this work on your own. And even when they catch the Riddler, it's a woman that sees him go into a diner. They, I mean, they don't even catch him on their own regard because he escapes from his John Doe apartment. Like John Doe running down the alley and off the fire escape. But at least in seven, I mean, they chase after him and yep. 
in this one, they don't. And some woman calls on the phone. Hey, we got him. He's over here. Lame. That, that That's lame. So I wonder, because in my ranking of Batman villains, okay, obviously Joker's at the top. Bane is very, very high. Um, The Penguin, Ivy, Riddler is like second tier, like yeah. worthwhile, but not sure. the top level. Yeah. I'd probably put Ra's al Ghul in the top as well. Okay. Talia, maybe. Um, And then we have the second tier. The Riddler isn't a joke, oh. and I think, in a joke in so far as what challenge does he present to Batman? But we talk about this a lot, right? And that's mm-hmm. can the superhero can we find a reasonable challenge in the opposition, the antagonist to our protagonist? Sure. Sometimes it's too big, and we had an issue with that in Zack Snyder's. Batman reduced to a guy on the ledge of a building shooting grappling hooks at doomsday. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Okay, so there's that. And then there's this. In my mind, there's a version of the Riddler. They certainly make this Riddler more bloodthirsty and darker Mm -hmm. and far more violent and capable. Most of the time, the Riddler that I know is, here's where I hid these, stole these jewels and hid them. That kind of crime. Frank Gorshin. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, This Riddler seems far superior to Batman because I have the same take that you did. Yeah. He's a sort of shitty detective still. Mm-hmm. Now, that could play yeah. because you can watch Batman have to grow up on screen in order to match wits with the Riddler, yeah. but it doesn't happen because of what also I agree with what you said. Mm-hmm. The Riddler basically spoon-feeds him all the information. Yeah. And so then you have to take it into a Norman Osborn, Peter Parker kind of role where he is a paternal figure to Batman Mm -hmm. that could also work because Batman's missing a fatherly influence in his life. Hence with the reason we have the Batman and none of that seems to come to fruition or play out for me. And the Riddler, the Riddler in this movie, as much as I don't really think the Riddler is that terrifying or that dastardly a villain seems the far superior foe and is only undone in this movie because he wants to be undone, even though he doesn't really want to be undone. (laughs) That's a mess, isn't it? It is. It is. What do you think of the penguin? Colin Farrell's penguin. This is a character that I think has some potential going forward. That's what I was going to say. I've always wanted to say, and I, I like the Danny DeVito penguin, and that's a very garish, like, yeah. circus freak penguin. Yeah. But I've, I've always kind of thought of penguin as, like, another mob element in Gotham. The way this film ends of him kind of picking up the where Falcone leaves off, I'm excited to see that. Colin Farrell, unrecognizable in this makeup. I agree. They did a good job on this. And he's in it, but like he's not the focus of it, and I can appreciate that. Even his role, though, just kind of just is just uh, another seedling that goes nowhere. <laughs> Yet, yeah. Yet, yeah. I'm with you. For the penguin to work, he needs to be the kingpin. Mm-hmm. And oh, the king, exactly right. Yep. And when done well, that's a very, very powerful pull. And truthfully, Jesse, I think that naturally presents a better villain than the Riddler does. The Riddler doesn't have acolytes. Now he's going to get some in the movie. And I want to talk about that because that's fucking stupid Me too. But the penguin's going to have acolytes because he's got henchmen as a mafia or crime boss. Exactly. That works. Yeah. So my answer to your question is I wish it was more of him. And I wish it was the story of his rise to power, which it is sort of mm-hmm. instead of, what we kind of got, but that wasn't this movie and that wouldn't be this detective story either. Let's catch up a little bit to this funeral scene. So he sends Selena back into the iceberg with the camera eye and we see all these corrupt politicians and Peter Sarsgaard is Gil Colson, the DA, the incumbent, I guess, to Harvey Dent. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine. Uh, and 
he knows all the secrets and won't talk about it. He's drunk, drunken stupor, gets abducted that night by the Riddler, gets a bomb put on his on his neck. Then we get this funeral scene, and it's Bruce decides I need to go show face for once. This brooding, very emo-like Batman is like, and everyone's like, oh my god, Bruce Wayne. Uh the Riddler sends uh the this SUV creaming into the funeral with Colson in it. And he's got a bomb strapped to him and then another riddle note for the Batman. Um, so that's that's kind of kind of where we're where we're at right now. I had to go pee during the middle of this scene, but I, I picked my pee time, ladies and gentlemen, really well, because they released this scene online a few weeks ago. So I'd already seen it. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'm going now because. Ladies and gentlemen, three hours, man. I need an intermission. Like, I just, I can't. I, I had to pee during Endgame. Okay. Like, and it's like you don't want to like miss anything. So I like run real quick. I got all winded. <laughs> you know, I come back. I'm all <laughs> flustered, tripping over people, trying to get back to this this thing. But I thought this was kind of cool. I thought this was an effective scene, uh, just to just disrupt this funeral with more chaos. Yeah. However long it takes for Batman to show up on this scene as this phone's just ringing endlessly. Riddler's just hitting redial, redial. I want more of this. I want more of, there's this bomb call around this guy. I got to figure out how to get that thing off. But I don't want it to just be, let's just solve a couple riddles. You know what I mean? There's got to be like a time puzzle Mm -hmm. lock. Mm -hmm. Batman, use your intellect to get this thing off. I'll bring up the Arkham games again because there's a whole slew of Riddler challenges you do in that game. And they're that. Use your brain to unlock that. No, it's uh, poetic justice. It's this is this answer. And then when he refuses to name the rat, he's so terrified. This bomb explodes. I don't know how Batman's not dead either. He's like, this thing goes off in his face. In his face, yeah. (laughs) And if we've already established this isn't a very durable suit, so suspend your disbelief at this because the Batman should be dead at this point. (laughs) Which is one of two times that that's going to happen. I want to talk a little bit uh, before we get to the next scene, which at the GCPD here. Well, can, can I say one more thing real quick? Yeah. Talking about maybe the younger Batman who's not as sharp as the older Batman would be. Mm-hmm. It happens in this scene too, and I think this actually does work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess he helps uh, Skarsgård navigate these riddles. But instead of saving him, which on the bomb collar, there is a countdown clock that is as clear as the day. Mm-hmm. Batman forgets that because he's so hellbent on trying to get him... Collins, is his name Collins? Colson. Colson. Yeah. To name the rat yeah. that he sort of forgets about that. Yeah. Okay, you know what? I think there's something to that. I think that works a bit. Yeah. It does because this Batman isn't mature enough sure. to recognize or remember at these really crucial moments, like what the goal is. So slipping up a bit, yeah. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And I think what it does is it removes the safety net that a lot of movies might have, which is there's no way they're going to kill that person because then there's no more story. Like everything's sort of in play. If they're going to blow this dude's head off in a DC movie, that's PG. I think the stakes went up and there was a little bit more worry that was inserted into me as a viewer. In so far as shit, man, if they just killed this guy and he's kind of a sleazebag, so I didn't feel bad for him, but Man, everybody's maybe in play on this. However, they're going to undo that with Alfred because <laughs> they couldn't kill him early, but they try. Um, regardless, that kind of worked for me in a shock. Like his shitty detective abilities, insofar as doing anything more than solving a riddle, kind of worked for me 
in a backwards manner in this moment. I want to talk about the director, Matt Reeves. Okay. Uh, I'm going to rattle off some films from his filmography. I just want to give give me a yay or a nay. Okay. Cloverfield. Nay. Let Me In. That's the remake to Let the Right One In. Nay. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that would be a nay for you. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, medium. That's okay. And then War for the Planet of the Apes. That sums up. Okay. So kind of kind of hit and mi- hit, hit and miss with you. He's okay. I think he's an interesting choice for this, and I, I I think he I think he has a good knack for the character. I think he gets the world. I think he gets the universe. Uh, what he's trying to do, and then I think the tone is going to come a lot from him. I mean, it's a lot of his decision. I want it to be this dark, ladies. And he's a dark cat, though, man. Those movies just rattle off for dark films. Well, I I read into him a little bit. He's actually. Like best him and J.J. Abrams grew up together, and Spielberg kind of helped get them their start. And J.J. Abrams produced Cloverfield, and that was his like directorial debut. Uh, some other people in consideration for this thing. Just let me know if you would have liked some of this better. So Ridley Scott, Mm-mm. yeah, probably yeah, not nineteen eighties Ridley yeah. Scott. Oh hell yeah, uh, Gavin O'Connor. He did The Accountant, The Way Back, and uh, yeah, Ben Affleck's guy, uh, Warrior, yeah. George Miller, Mad Max, George Miller. Yep. Denny Villeneuve. I'd like to yeah. see, uh, I'd like to see that. And then uh Fetty Alvarez, he did the Evil Dead remake that we saw all those moons ago. <laughs> um, I think I probably with three or four of those, yeah. Pretty say yes, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, Denny Villeneuve for sure, but maybe that Gavin O'Connor, I think that that's that's something. I agree. Um, I like a lot of those movies that we just rattled off there. An interesting choice. I mean, he's a proven director. But I'm just trying to figure out his style, his tone, because man, we know Tim Burton movie, mm-hmm. we know a Joel Schumacher movie, we know what Nolan. No, we know what Nolan's up to, and dare I say, on the Rice Smile canon now, we know what Zack Snyder's doing. We yeah. know his style. I don't know if I know Matt Reeves' style. I mean, it's so dark and dreary, but like those ape films aren't like super dark and dreary, and is everything just so masked in in in, in darkness here, like? I'm trying to figure him out is the thing when watching this. Like I, my, my, I tour my Batman. I want to figure out what, what is he bringing to this other than just darkness? Batman's moody to begin with. You don't need to make him more moody by making the film dark and moody. Yeah. Batman's already a brooding, moody, dark character. I mean, think about just his origin. Sure. Right. You don't need to heighten that unless you want to really double down on that. Mm-hmm. Here's where. I'm going to do this now, even though... Did you have a question you are going to pose, or can I do a little rant on Gotham for a minute? <laughs> do your rant on Gotham. I think this is right in line with um, this kind of brooding, dark feel that we get. And again, anybody that thinks you're looking for light and happiness in a Batman movie, clearly you've come to the wrong film to watch, certainly. And that doesn't play either. So let's be fair, and I'm acknowledging that. Here's my issue with Gotham, and I, maybe we've... T- go ahead. I saw this movie when I was five or six. I probably would have been pretty scared of it watching it. I mean, there's some dark stuff in this movie. Again, I'm just the balance. It doesn't have to be that all the time. I mean, there can be some levity to a lot of this. Ava was bored to tears. <laughs> she just kept looking at Dad, what time is it? Dad, what time is it? She was bored to tears. And I like it was not yeah, it's, a movie for her. It's my very, daughter's nine. Very so. slow at times, too. Okay, yeah. It's not for nine-year-olds. Oh, yeah, no, it's not. Okay, so here's my issue with Gotham. There seems to be an insistence in any portrayal of Gotham as this metaphor for the moral compass of society. And Gotham in Batman films takes on a role or a characterization 
that deserves a credit in the in in the credits, like uh, as playing Gotham, Gotham starring Gotham. Oh yeah. What I can't understand is for this city that is continually, perpetually shown on screen as this shithole, this cesspool, this rat-infested, crime-ridden, corrupt-on-high, awful place that is built on the dollars of the Wayne Empire. Yeah. Why we keep choosing to have the same conversation about this city that's never going to get better. And you can have Metropolis, you can have Hell's Kitchen, you can have Emerald City, you can have whatever, um, Star City, you can have all these different places, but Gotham is portrayed the same way in each one of these films, and it brings up a question for me, which is, why would anyone want to stay there? Exactly, yeah. Including the Batman. Sure, Especially if it's filled with memories of how my dad tried to make this a livable place and everyone hates him for it. But to the larger context with um, Reeves and his choice, he just redid Gotham the way we've seen Gotham done over and over and over. And I'm really exhausted with with the the dank, dark, derelict, Gotham like City, the, like the Grinch over here, over and <laughs> stinks, over stinks. and over and over and over. No, I'm with you. It's it's the unwinnable job. I mean, if Batman fights every night, seven days a week, 365 days of the year, and then there's the moral question of: Is Batman creating more crazies just being there? The philosophy yeah. of being the Batman. Uh, it's unwinnable. That's I kind of liked the idea Nolan was playing with in The Dark Knight Rises. Was look, Batman's more of a symbol than a man. And if I could pass this on to Dent or to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, it can continue on because I can't do this forever as a protector more than we're going to solve Gotham's problems today. Because you're not. It's an ongoing issue that's going to continue. Well, you brought up theft earlier. Okay. And I feel like the idea that Nolan did with Gotham that also Burton and Schumacher did in the earlier films, maybe one, two, little bit of three. Yeah. That Gotham is gone to the dogs. And the only thing that's keeping it from going to the rabid dogs is one man in a cape. And these villains show up. And although the Joker, and I know we have different takes on that film, but the Joker's goal and Bane's goal are still kind of similar in those films, which is I'm going to expose this place for what it really is. Yeah. Break the break the spirit soul of Gotham. Yeah. Well, guess what the Riddler's doing in this film? Breaking the spirit soul of Gotham. <laughs> By taking down yeah. these beacons of justice that are corrupt and then the son of the golden boy that built this fucking ivory tower yeah. of derelict bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's theft, man. Yeah. It's, it's, happened. can we find a different version of Gotham? It, it, maybe it would be refreshing if this Riddler was just trying to steal some jewels. <laughs> Kinda. I mean, I don't want him to have the death ray or something. I know, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the last few Batman films, yeah, have been, yeah, this, this moral compass of the city of trying to expose it break it and then save it type of mentality. 
Well, like, how many times are we going to expose the corrupt underbelly of Gotham? Like, everyone knows every cop is bad except for Gordon. You, you know the one bat... So I revisited a couple bat films before watching this, and it, I watched Batman Forever again, and that was just... It was just fun, you know what I mean? It was fun, it was light. I mean, give me some U2 and Seal music at the end of that thing. Guess from a rose. There's some light there that's enjoyable. I think Val Kilmer's actually a pretty decent Bruce Wayne Batman. Okay. And I watched Batman Begins again. And you're right. Uh, Katie Holmes, we forgot she was in that movie, mm-hmm. says that in the movie. It was like, look at Gotham, Bruce. This place is a cesspool. Yeah, yeah, this is. And you want to save this? Go talk to Falcone or to Tom Wilkinson Falcone. Um, so that was, a, that was an interesting rewatch. But it, it definitely showed me the balance you can have in these Bat films of the light and the dark. It doesn't have to be so dour as this is. So we're at the GCPD. Uh, yeah. He punches Gordon to kind of making an escape. Um, it's their plan. And he escapes the roof. And this is an interesting scene because a couple things happen. Something you alluded to, he gets in his squirrel suit, his Gore-Tex squirrel suit. But when he looks over the edge of the thing, he looked scared. Like, he looked like, oh my God, am I, re-? like, almost like Bruce Willis and Die Hard? Yeah. Am I jumping over this thing? I like that. I like the fallibility of this Batman of, God, I might die, but I got to get out of here. And he should have died, according to you. I mean, hits the overpass in his little squirrel suit and goes tumbling down the street. Bye. Dead. We've established he's a regular dude. He should be done. done Donezo. What they've established from this is there's a lieutenant in the GCPD that, I saw your guy at the Iceberg Lounge. He's like, he could be the informant. Or maybe the penguin's the rat. So we're going to go bust the penguin now. He's got this drug thing and... Catwoman shows up and they find the body of her lover in the thing. It all goes tits up and it's just firing thing. But now we get the arrival of the Batmobile kind of like off into the shadows. Uh, And now we're going to chase the penguin. What do you think of this Batmobile? I mean, it's not the Nolan tank. It's not the Anton first Batmobile from Burton's thing, which that's my favorite Batmobile steal. This is almost like a Dodge Challenger mm-hmm. with like a big motor on the back. What do you think of this? It's more raw, rudimentary. Yeah. I I love it's revealing the shadows here. Yeah, it's all those things. Um, ugh, I'm gonna say something here that probably do will do it. I could give two shits about the Batmobile. Okay, I'm <laughs> I like after I see what car they chose, then I'm on to let's just get to the car chase, and th- that's one of those things in the Batman canon. That I just, it's exhausting to me. Like that's fair. Um, I I get it. There's been like a hundred plus Batmobiles in history, so and I would love to drive one. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that that wouldn't be cool. I it, just it's just a checkbox. We need to have another Batmobile. The problem with that whole sequence for me wasn't the Batmobile. Like it was it was raw and powerful, and you could very throated engine. You could hear it right. Powerful. I didn't like, I didn't particularly care for how dark that was and how it was shot. It felt kind of Transformers-y to me. The car chase? Yes. And we're we're kind of on the same wavelength right now. I loved, when, when that Batmobile lights up its engine, I was like, oh man, we're on. I mean, he's yeah. going to chase the penguin. This is going to be great. Then Who the, doesn't want that? Like, think about that. In the script, we have Batman chases the penguin on the highway. That should kill. The way it's shot, in the rain, dark, the camera's like on like the wheels on like the dash in front of like you. It's so hard to see what's going on and they cut back and forth. Just tumbling metal. I was very, I was like, I should have loved this scene. This should have been the standout moment of the film. And then he gives it a casino Royale topple <laughs> yeah. down the thing. And then when he walks upside down to it, that's pretty cool. But like, it was, it was very infuriating the way they decided to shoot it and then cut it together. Mm-hmm. 
You're right. It was kind of the Bay-esque version of a Batmobile chase. Like, I don't want to see the camera on the wheels of the car. I want to see it from above, man. Especially then at night, too, because all those cars, because they're all dark cars, look like just dark cars. If that's in day, at least you can recognize what's what in those sequences. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah, this was... Huge miss. Yeah, huge miss. This should have been my favorite part of the film, and it started strong, and I was I was like in myself, I was like, yeah, here we go, here we go, and I was like, oh, God, I can't see anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they abduct the penguin or tie him up, and he tells them, I'm not the rat, and it, another dead end, you know what I mean? Now, help me out, because you saw the movie yesterday, and if you can't, I, I don't blame you, because the film is bogged down in detail. Mm-hmm. How do we get from that to the orphanage? Does he tell them something like go search that out or it's not a riddle that cuz no one's died in between. How does the penguin get Bruce Wayne, get Batman to the orphanage? Yeah, cuz we we go from that scene they leave him there and he's all tied up and they have no information but then they end up at the Martha Wayne Bruce, Thomas Wayne funded orphanage. If you can't remember that's okay. I don't I can't remember. Yeah, cuz I can't either. I, well, I have a question for you. Okay. <laughs> Why Why is there, and it's going to be revealed and you'll see that this is kind of a twist. Why does anyone give a shit about there being a rat in the Gotham City, Gotham Police Department when they're all corrupt? In, like, I don't get why. If they're all getting fed under the table, who cares about the rat? Yeah. Because now we're going to get into this really murky dialogue that has... Rat versus stool pigeon. And those are two very different roles yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them are defined, I think, in the film. And I don't... And that's, this is what this film is about, is finding this rat, right? According mm-hmm. to the, the Riddler, I guess. I Why are we chasing a rat in a department filled with plenty of rodents? I think part of the film's problem is it gets so bogged down in this quest that we, we often forget that we're still playing the Riddler's game. This quest for the rat, and then let's get to the orphanage because it's like a junkie den. Yeah, and we there's this projector set up for the Batman to discover. Like, I'm gonna need to see the movie again because I need to know how we get here because I can't remember. Yeah, what uh, do they say? And that? I've tried to read a, a like a plot synopsis to show, and it's it's very undefined about how we're there. Um, not, yeah, and but but that's just it's a busy film. I mean, I can't I can't remember everything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. It's not like we're watching Batman 89 and I've seen that movie 150 times. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, But what's revealed here, this is crazy. So we are learned that the Waynes and the Arkhams established the foundation of Gotham's wealth and, you know. Martha uh, Arkham. (laughs) We find out that Martha Wayne spent some time in Arkham because she was crazy. (laughs) So she's a a Roosevelt daughter. So, yeah, exactly. A Roosevelt and a Kennedy. Well, the, the, okay, the, I'm at Kennedy. I'm, well, the Kennedy, I'm Kennedy, I mean, I'm she's, Kennedy. she's mentally, you know, she has a disability. But I thought there was a crazy Roosevelt, too. I, you're, might not, that might not be a slip either. Yeah, I meant Kennedy, but yeah, you're right. Anyway. Let's lobotomize this daughter of mine. She likes to have sex with people too much. Exactly. Literally what happened in the Kennedy clan. There's, uh, okay, so we find that in Bruce, uh, he's like, oh my God, like, this is a revelation. Mm-hmm. So the Riddler's going to expose this truth because of this, and I had to look up this word because I was like, what was that R word that they used? Revival. Thomas Renewal. Wayne, renewal. I messed it up. And I wrote it down too. Renewal. This Thomas Wayne Renewal Fund. So he's going to donate a billion dollars to the city because he's running for mayor mm-hmm. to clean up all the derelicts and clean it all up. And because uh, he's worried about this secret getting out, he goes to Falcone 
to silence this reporter. And then that somehow kind of gets out. And it's very gray on if Falcone had the Waynes killed or if it was just still a random act of violence. But we don't want that secret to get out. And that's what the Riddler exposes on the news literally in the next scene. To make that even more murky, Mm -hmm. the reporter is on the payroll for the other gangster. Moretti, what the hell is his name? Moroni. Yeah, Moroni. I think Moretti's the real name, actually. That was infuriating to me, too, because... We're very late in this. We're getting to the two-hour mark. And I'm like, are we trying to say that Sal Maroney, this other... Because it's always been the Falcones and the Maronis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Roberts played him in The Dark Knight. Uh, we're introducing a character so late that he's very important to the plot of this film, and he's dead, and we don't see him, and this murder of this drug bust was so important. Very noir You can't do that two hours in the movie, folks. Agreed, unless it's a true noir. I'm glad that kind of didn't go anywhere. The rat at the end of the day is Carmine, John Turturro. Kind of, but is it, I mean, that that's the reveal of the rat? Yeah. This terrible mafia gangster guy? That the fact that the Wayne money was being fed through the mob funds and being fed under the table to all these corrupt people. That the Wayne money, and that this is why the Riddler's pissed off, it was that... He wants to expose the most evil guy in Gotham? Because he didn't have the... And this this is what really tripped me up was he was upset that Bruce Wayne, a boy of privilege, he's a billionaire's heir, mm-hmm. got the love and attention because his family died, now an orphan, and now the Riddler, who was always an orphan, got no attention. Had rats chewing on his fingers. That's why he's upset and Yeah, jealousy. Jealousy. And I was like, this is like kind of like Max Dillon was mad that Spider Man didn't come to his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> It's not that bad, but no, yeah. it's along that same spectrum. So, look, Jesse, this was a movie about trying to uncover this rat. <clears throat> and the rat you can make the case for, especially with the Riddler's admission coming up here in about 10 minutes from where we are in the breakdown, okay. uh, film wise. The rat should be Bruce Wayne because mm-hmm. that's the crowning achievement in this plot of death that the Riddler has you know, introduced Gotham to. But we've gone from dirty cops. Nope, those weren't the rats. Not the penguin. No, he's a stool pigeon. To Falcone yeah. is the rat? Yeah. No, Mr. Wayne, like Thomas Wayne. Is the rat. Is the rat. And that could be cool. And that's not even the right term for him either. He's not, that's a, a rat is someone who's like informing. Yeah. Thomas Wayne's a benefactor who's a victim of circumstance. <laughs> There's no rat, Jesse. Yeah. The uh, fucking drug, the the mafia guy is the rat. Let me ask you this, because it's a me- it's a mess, and I, I I struggled too while watching trying to piece one and two. It was it was reminiscence. It was any film noir. I was praying for an insurance scam to show up to just clear things up. Do you it's not like, far from it? It's the slush fund for the renewal funny renewal money. Do you like the journey? Do you like Gordon and Batman working side by side? Even it's very seven like. Do you like this team trying to? Uh, Put this all together. Does that work for you? Because it kind of works for me. Uh, I don't know if I'd even thought about it to right now. Yeah. Um, so I would say it didn't strike me as, yeah, this isn't working. Yeah, I guess so. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, it worked It worked enough to not be a big mess. If Matt Reeves' goal was to create a film noir plot that was very convoluted and unnecessarily complicated, success. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> those are like two of the essential pieces of noir. I did like this. So, you know, Alfred opens up this bomb. I hadn't thought about that, Jesse, but you're really onto something there. If that, if we're really going for a noir thing and 
one of the issues in noir is the constant introduction of characters and information post-mortem, usually through narrative or dialogue, Mm -hmm. then you and I should both be singing the praises on high of this film because we love noir. So you and I are hypocrites and maybe we're the rats. We could be. (laughs) It also reminded me of, do you remember in basic instinct when Michael Douglas (laughs) is trying to like, he's going from hospital to hospital. Yes. It was kind of like that. We're Mm -hmm. just jumping around from this and essentially discovering nothing and everything's being told to us on TikTok. Uh, This moment when Alfred's almost blown away, I was very concerned with. And the moment they share in the hospital, I actually really liked. Mm -hmm. I really liked the Bruce-Alfred relationship just in general, whether that's Michael Caine and Christian Bale. I didn't think the chemistry was there between Ben Affleck and Jeremy Irons. I like what this could be. And he was saying, was like, well, why did you stick around for so long? Alfred was like, it was because, you know, like I made an oath to your family. And when they kind of clasp hands and it's kind of like this moment, like that was pretty good when he, tell me it's not true, Alfred, that this, like my, my family wasn't a part of this. And Alfred's like, I don't know. I like, I've tried, I've tried every day to search for the answers without finding out everything. Like it's a pretty poignant moment between these two. And I want more of that and less of who's the rat. (laughs) Yeah. 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 There, you kind of brought it up earlier. There's um, a little bit of a disconnect between those two and this moment when Alfred and everybody understand like Alfred's in the hospital because he opened up a package that was delivered to Bruce Wayne from the Riddler and the final attempt to kill the last target on his hit list. Now, the question is, with the elaborate plots and plans that he went through with the other cops, why does Bruce Wayne just get an exploding envelope? Nonetheless, though, Alfred takes that envelope and tosses it aside just enough to not let himself be blown to bits, and that was going to be what the intended result was for Bruce Wayne. So this is important because... Yeah, the Riddler is going to admit to Batman in a short period of time that they almost complete they they almost completed the plan, except we didn't quite get Bruce Wayne. Sure. So back to what you said. Well, like taking some some arrows and some bullets yeah. for the Waynes yeah. is Alfred, and and he's already a bit gimpy. I mean, with his he's got a cane. I mean, this is yeah. a very you know worn worn Alfred. But could be helpful. So I'm glad he didn't die in this movie. Yeah, no, like the chemistry that you're talking about between Wayne and Alfred, or Bruce Wayne and Alfred, is really good here. I dig on Andy Serk. I mean, whether it's that motion capture stuff he did. I mean, Caesar's is a remarkable creation in those movies. And mm-hmm. Gollum, I mean, the, the guy's, he's got some stuff behind him. Yeah. So we want to talk about Bruce or Batman not being a great detective. So what gets them from figuring, oh, so Penguin was a dead end. We have all these secrets being exposed about the Waynes and Martha Wayne's illness on Arkham and her. <laughs> well, she's she's an Arkham daughter. That's her maiden name. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. What gets them to figure out that Falcone's the rat is <laughs> Selena brings them one of that guy from the GCPD mm-hmm. that there was a phone call or something that, that she figured out and she brings him to the top where the bat signal is. Yeah. And that's how we figure out that Falcone's the rat. She bails. She's going to go kill him. And it was like, oh, we need Falcone's the rat. We need to figure out. So he didn't even figure out that Falcone was the rat. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. He didn't figure it out. Selena figured it out. And it was off camera, by the way. Mm-hmm. But is Falcone the rat? He's just the hitman. 
I think he's getting, isn't he getting most of the money though? Is then he's just filtering it out through all these things. Yeah, but that's not, I mean, maybe I don't know what a rat means, but that's not a rat. Yeah, I know. It's, it's ill-defined too. A rat is someone that's like selling out their colleagues for a larger purpose. How many, if that's a rat, Carmine Falcone is a rat to probably 20 different business endeavors, quote unquote, in Gotham daily, including drugs. What the Riddler's told Batman is, you find the rat and then bring him out into the light. What? <laughs> okay, just wait a second. Um, so Selena goes to Falcone. They have a tit for tat. It should be enough that like, you killed my girlfriend. Yeah. You're going to pay, you bastard. But no, she goes into the shadows and comes back. And I'm Marie Kyle's daughter. That's not right. But she gives that revelation to him. And he's like, oh, wh- whatever. I don't know if John Turturro's like a pretty good actor. You know what I mean? And maybe I'm soured from our Miller Crossing debacle that we went through. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but this is a bit of a miss in the casting of Carmine Falcone because I know what I get with Turturro. Uh, yeah. I thought Tom Wilkinson was pretty well cast as that. He, he just seems like a mob guy. Mm-hmm. Uh so they have a fisty cuffs. Batman shows up because Batman still has this like no kill role in this thing, which I can appreciate. That's nice. Mm-hmm. But Selena's ready to just blow this guy away. No, we're taking him. We're going to arrest him. They bring him out into the thing. Here's the GCPD. We found the rat, everybody. And what happens is the Riddler snipes him from his apartment. That's right across the street. Mm-hmm. Batman catches a glimpse of him. And then again, speaking to the unrefined Batman, when he grapples into that window, it's almost like he like, grapples struggles and like he like rolls across the floor it's like he like doesn't know how to do that yet yeah i like that okay uh and then we get into the john doe apartment Mm -hmm. the manifestos literally the the john it it is the seven john doe apartment because how many notebooks did john he had like hundreds of notebooks that he just been writing psychotics into they open those up and it's it's like a wall of John Doe notebooks and all the computers and the newspaper clippings. The newspaper clippings and the web of intrigue. The only thing that was missing was that neon cross, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. And and then I didn't again, I want Batman to find the bad guy, battle him, arrest him, or kill him. I don't care. This could be a Keaton and he just attaches a gargoyle to his leg. No, some woman calls the GCPD. We found the he's sitting at a diner. They saw him running down the street. He's holed up at a diner. Come on, man. Come the, on, man is the right. Batman doesn't even go in there to arrest him. He's just watching from the, the street over there. Uh, but let's get to the scene. Okay, so we sent him to the asylum. I don't know why they instantly sent him to the asylum when this is an open investigation. And he needs to be tried before he's committed. Yeah. What do you think of this? What do you think? Because this is where the Riddler reveals his grand plan, and he's... He's saying Bruce Wayne saying this guy's the crux of it. And this is why I'm so pissed off because this guy got the attention and the admiration and me, Edward Nashton orphan got no attention. Rats chewing on my fingers. I lived a shitty life and now I'm going to expose this because of that guy. But I thought you and I have something in common. What do you, what do you think of this? Um, I have a general belief on the, villain explaining to the hero what the purpose of their actions were and it usually goes back to the same simple thing which is if they have to tell it then it wasn't seen clearly on screen Mm. this movie is so muddled down with so many things it might be hard to remember exactly what the hell this rat thing was and i think you and i have Mm -hmm. kind of beat up the idea of they don't even know what a rat is either and Totoro as the rat is about is like 
on the nose of saying, you know, Kingpin might not be the best guy you want your uh, as your father-in-law or something along those lines, right? It's, it's sort of silly. I think Dano is a capable actor, and I like most of his work. So I love There Will Be Blood. He I, had his, I love Prisoners. I love um, Little Miss Sunshine. Like I think Paul Dano is a fantastic actor. He has a bit of an Eli Sunday meltdown here in a second. <laughs> the problem is this scene is far too reminiscent to Heath Ledger's Joker admission in The Dark Knight. Yeah. And the big twist in this for everybody is the way he's speaking about Bruce Wayne to Batman leads Batman to believe that he, he has his, uncovered his identity. Yeah, yeah. Now that's going to be revealed to not be the case a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's the big twist in the moment. And we do find out that the plan the whole time was to make a point of rats and corruption and bringing the rats to light by killing Bruce Wayne because then that would shine a light on the rat Carmine Falcone. Oh, that's nonsense. But he somehow gives up on killing Bruce Wayne, too, because he should have known that Alfred ended up in the hospital. I think he said we almost got him, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, again, we're so far deviated now from a sensible villain plan that the Riddler put together, and we haven't even got to what I think is the worst part of this yet. We're getting there. Go ahead and take it if well, you no, want. No, 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 wait, hang on. But this scene culminates with... Well, what did you think about this? You well, said Alex Sunday? Eli Sunday and there will be blood. Remember? Oh, 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 yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. It's like an Eli Sunday tantrum that he has in those. He was like, oh no, Bruce or Batman. Mm-hmm. He's like, I will not bow down to you. Do you like Dano? I do like Dano. Okay, he's great in Prisoners. Maybe he does. It's all visual with him because he's a mute in that movie. Essentially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine if that person was intellectual, that he would probably be the Riddler. Yeah, so to speak. Uh I was like, maybe we should do Prisoners, but we did, and that episode rocks. So yeah. there you go. And that film rocks as well. Yeah. Yeah, this scene, it's a lot of just exposition dump. But what ends up leaving the scene is the Riddler tells him, you haven't figured it out, Batman. He's like, you got another thing coming, uh, and it was right under your nose. He says something like that, right? Yeah. And Batman's like, what did you do? What did you do? Okay, here you ready for this? Mm-hmm. This was, this was like the jumping the shark moment for me. So Batman goes back to the John Doe apartment. He's Does like, he find the filings from the floor well, where no, the refrigerator was scraped across in the guy's stomach? It's just like that scene. It's like going back to the scene of the crime because you missed a clue. You missed something. Yeah. So this apartment has the potential. You spend hours there just trying to decipher whatever. So he sneaks in. I like that his chest plate is kind of like a battering knife. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And then this guy that this GCPD officer, he's shown up a couple times. Is like, what are you doing here? You know, you can't be tampering with the evidence. And then he goes like, this is crazy, man. Like, what are we going to do to stop this guy? Like, what are we doing? And Batman's rifling through the evidence and he picks up, I wrote it down. Uh, he picks, it's a, it's what killed uh, the, the, the mayor at the, at the beginning. It's the, the bludgeoning instrument. It's a, uh, T-handle stair tool for hooking on tack strips. It's a carpeting uh, tool. He's looking at it. Batman doesn't know what this is. And he puts it down, and he's like, I'll keep looking. And this police officer is like, well, that's like a tacking strip tool. I know because, like, my brother's uh, in carpeting. In screenwriting, you have a character at A, and you need to get him to B. 
Batman's at A in this apartment, and we need to somehow get him to this city convention center to save the day. In a city of 10 million people, he's with a guy that tells him exactly what this item is because his brother does this for a living, which instantly piques Batman's thing was like, I'm going to rip up this carpet. If that guy's not there, Batman's searching this apartment for at least three or four hours while Gotham floods itself over there. Right. Brutal. That, that That's a screenwriting backed into a corner and you're just like... No idea how to get out. Have this character just barf it to him. You know what I mean? Well, that's, that's Oscorp, man. That's Stacy and Osborne in the same elevator together. You, you're right. You gotta be kidding me. You're right. This carpeting... And no one's gonna talk about this moment, but like we gotta find a way to get Batman there. This is how we do it. Now, I want to ask you this, too, because either Riddler's the worst villain of all time. Uh, what sets off? Because what he's looking for, there's a video on his computer that has a password that no one knows. And when he rips up the carpet, there's a word, and they type that into the password, and it starts this video. Is Riddler's bombs going to go off at a set time so Batman could just wait for the bombs to go off and then react? Or is playing the video set the timer to the bombs? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I assumed that it was on a timer element. A good villain would put it on a timer element, but and not tell your hero, yeah. hey, there's a clue that you haven't figured out yet. That's just a mere inconvenience with writing, though, right? Yeah. No, but it's kind of important. So I mean, kind of, it's very important. So let's get to this video. So on this video is Riddler talking to the camera. It's one final manifesto to the world and his... 500 uh, 4chan Reddit followers. Yeah. And what he surmises, these bombs go off. The levees in Gotham, the the, the breakwaters uh, blow up, and now Gotham Harbor, Bay, whatever, this starts flooding the city. I mean, if this is Manhattan, I mean, we got water coming in. I mean, now we're this is a problem. And then Batman's like piecing together the comments. And uh, this is something in mil- films going on right now. It happened in that Texas Chainsaw sequel that came out on Netflix, the TikTokization of the world right now. Mm. He's putting these comments together of all these users. And he's like, what ammunition? Where, what kind of masks? And man, the Riddler's created like an incel army. <laughs> yep. QAnon army. Literally. Brutal, man. I mean, okay, so the... We're flooding Gotham. There's explosions going off. What their goal is, is it's not enough. We need to cleanse Gotham with water. But we're going to break down and murder the new regime with whatever is going to be replaced with it. Which is... They're going to go assassinate the new incumbent mayor. Why? I don't know. When did that become something? To me, you mentioned theft earlier. We've talked about it twice now. Mm -hmm. This feels like... The Joker's plot in the Dark Knight with the two boats. Who's going to blow the other boat up first? And that's a moral quandary, which he doesn't tell the Batman he's doing it. This has nothing to do with that insofar as what his plan has been in the whole film. We haven't talked about flooding and killing the new incumbent mayor at all. Wouldn't you want... This is is like a Bane... This is Bane's plot too. Yeah. And the Dark Knight Returns a state of anarchy where any ruler or leader is going to be taken down and the will of the masses will resurrect, renew, if you want to play that, Gotham under the fires of violence in a a finer forge of of morality. 
Well, I don't even know what I just said there. But regardless, that's not what the Riddler... He just wanted to expose the rat. Once you've exposed corruption... And who the, wasn't even a rat. And the bad people, wouldn't you want this new mayor yes. to win? <laughs> to bring forth change? So you you brought it up here. Now... No, we got a killer. <laughs> you have my mind going, too. Maybe the Riddler's a shitty villain, too. He could be. Because he doesn't get the, the, the prize-winning pig on his crown of violence, right? He doesn't kill Bruce Wayne. Yep. And then... He's only gotten his message to about 500 people. Yep. And after he exposed what he thought was a rat who was never a rat, but might have been a hitman, but not a rat. Mm -hmm. Because the Waynes, if we're going to play in the rat space, would be the rats. He didn't even know what the rat was. Now has decided to flood the city and kill the new mayor. Wow. He's... (laughs) turned himself in and he's watching from a jail cell. He's not even in a tower acknowledging. That's the worst part to me. Here's what I hate about it. Yeah. We've talked about strangers a lot. The film, the strangers. Yeah. And you know, I don't like it because they get in the house in the first five minutes. We see it and the, <laughs> they're going in and out. <laughs> the main villain is already put away when his little QAnon acolytes yeah. are left to take down the mayor. Yeah. This is stealing from the Joker. I need the I need the Riddler there too. This is stealing from um, Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker, and the inspiration that he created a, an army of Jokers. I can't believe I'm going to say this because you know how I feel about Joker. Go listen to Joker. I think it's a more, our most downloaded episode, actually. Really? Really? Uh, yeah. Past Jaws. I, past Jaws and uh, Alien. Endgame and Alien. Yeah, how about that. Because I was lukewarm on that film. But I think if Joker's whole message was to expose the mental illness and atrocities of society by creating an uprising yeah. and this these followers, that film handles it way better than way what it, better. whatever the Riddler's trying to do here with his For sure. Riddler followers. Yeah. <clears throat> these these uh, incels living in their mom's basements. Mm-hmm. And what infuriates me a little bit further, so we get to this convention center and it's flooding and they shoot the mayor. Batman shows up, he blows the roof out of this thing, probably hurting more people too. And he has a hard time dealing with some of these people that just like live in their mom's basement. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, well, why is he struggling now when we establish that his suit can take gunfire? But On the scoreboard in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Gotham Square Garden. What are we doing? Yeah, it, it, this is weak. This is a very really weak, weak. weak finale because I need the Riddler there who's commanding his acolytes, if anything. Yep. But yes. it's, it's just guys in hoods, Zodiacs, and he's fighting them. Catwoman shows up. Gordon's there. Batman almost died. He's like dying on like the rafters here until he like injects himself with adrenaline. After he's saved on the catwalk by the Catwoman. <laughs> Here's a moment I wish they would have leaned into a little bit more. So he injects himself, and then he goes to town on this one Riddler guy. Yeah. They need to let him just kill, kill him. him. Uh, Gordon stops him. is like, hey, man, this ain't you. Uh, and he kind of s- stops him. But if we're trying to show an arc and a growth with Batman, he's fallible. He doesn't know it all. He needs to slip up here, too. He needs to go that extra distance and be like, I can never go as far as I went that one time. No, he, he stops him, and that guy tells him, I'm vengeance, too. So what I guess what they're getting at is maybe this motto of I'm vengeance and I'm vengeful viol- vigilante violence is a bad thing. He's not going to change. And maybe I need to be a, more of a hero of the people, which I kind of have a problem with as well. Yep. Let me tell you what, else, what does work for me. This visual of um, 
So he's got to save the people from being electrocuted and he ends up in the water with all these people and he lights a red flare and he's kind of leading them to safety. I thought that looked pretty cool. I mean, him leading with the, the flare through the flooded convention center. I thought that looked pretty awesome. This is going to be, uh, I want to know your thoughts on this too, because to me, Batman is a hero, doesn't take credit, sulks in the shadows. Once the authorities show up, he bails. And here you have Batman helping the first responders here on the roof of this uh, convention center. Mm-hmm. Weird to say that Batman helping save people is uh, troubling for me. But visually, that just doesn't compute in my brain. I mean, that Batman would be like, hey, you guys got it. I'm taking off. Oh, he's helping people into the helicopter. <laughs> well, it's inconsistent if you want to play with the legend or the worry of Batman as these creature that exists in the shadows. Like you said, he is full center. Dude, Keaton's bailing, man. Bright light, (laughs) saving these people. Literally a bright red light on center stage. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you got something from that that I agree with. You're right, but I didn't get it. And that's when the guy says, I am vengeance, is that he snaps and like, well, maybe I'm teaching people the wrong thing here. The wrong message. God, that is so weak, Jesse. That is so weak. So, so weak. There's a couple of other points I think where the movie had it found a little restraint could have saved itself when they go to the Riddler's apartment for the first time. Okay. And there's the cage full of rats. And then there's the cage that has the bat in there. Yeah. The Riddler gives Batman his final paper clue. We don't need the admission in the interrogation room where the Riddler spells it all out. We need the final clue to, I'm going to blow up the levees and sink Gotham in that card. Yeah. Then you don't have to dick around with the carpet tamping device and all of that other nonsense. Yeah, that cleans it up a lot. And I think it is in the clue in that he draws the web of the city's bylines and where the bombs are and in that card. Batman just needs to be smart enough to figure that out. Now, again, it's back to that, well, this isn't a very good detective Batman. If we're going to show progression, and I think that's the idea here, especially if if you're going to go with your vengeance and now I'm not vengeance, I'm rescue in the water Batman instead of vengeance Batman, he needs to figure that out. And then that removes all of that, dig up the carpet so we can see the map that he gave me in the card and where the bombs are. You see, to me, this is why like a film like The Dark Knight gives Batman a better arc, whereas his arc is hubris and neglecting the weight of his opponent and then it becomes a problem and an even bigger problem. And at the end is like, I've made this more of a mess than I possibly could by not reacting to this sooner. Mm -hmm. There's growth there. There's changing in the Batman's ideals of, I want to be a symbol and a protector to I'm more of a problem than anything else. This film kind of wants to do that same thing too. Mm -hmm. If vengeance is the problem, uh, I need to change my ideas. So I'm going to help out the first responders. (laughs) Yeah. I just can't. I mean, it's just like Superman helps out the first responders. Yeah. Captain right. America helps out the first responders. Right. Batman's going to be like, hey, they're coming. They got it. I'm, I'm ta- going. I'm taking off. Dude, Keaton ain't sticking around. You're right. You're right. It's just, it's it's weird. And I know they want to reinvent and do some different things and all the power to them because I don't want to watch the same Batman movies for the rest of my life. But man, it's muddled. It's just, there's now we have a Gotham that is Katrina level New Orleans flooded with water how are they gonna fix that man introduction of killer croc are you buying a killer croc in this universe no no it's i want to no 
I'd just be being, I'd just be a jackass. Well, this Gotham is still very hyper-realistic. I don't know if I can buy some of these villains that exist in the canon. I want to ask you a question about the Riddler yeah. in this film. After all of the lengths that he went through and trying to build up a social media presence to express his manifesto, yeah. maybe they should have stolen something from the Joker that they didn't, and that is the admission of what the goal is on the Johnny Carson show, the way he does before he kills mm. De Niro. Yeah. If at the inauguration of the new mayor, the Riddler has willingly put himself behind bars. Yeah. He has then knowingly taking away, taken away the bully pulpit from himself. Cause what better way to do this than blow up, all of the routes of emergency access to this auditorium mm-hmm. at the mayoral convention, have him and his acolytes up there, gun down the mayor, lock them in there. And not, I don't mean like in a carry kind of way, but they, the people in there cannot escape yeah. with television coverage. Cause certainly there's going to be television coverage. Yeah. And with the mayor laying dead at his feet, he exposes something about her and then takes the mic and broadcasts it to everybody. There you go. That's yeah. what this Riddler should have done. Exposing of the truth, yeah. This Riddler, a desperate man who's dying to have someone listen to his orphaned pleas yeah. of... Negligence. Okay, sure. <laughs> Negligence and corruption and, and abuse and all of that stuff. Yeah. That's what the Riddler would do. The Riddler that we've built in the movie would have done that. The Riddler in the movie that we see is all too content to order one last slice of pumpkin pie yeah, and then be, as you said, all too quickly incarcerated in Arkham. Let's talk about Arkham. So this, the film ends here. I'm dying to know your response to, to, to this. So he's sitting there. Got to bring him in sooner or later, right? Oh, I know, man. Uh, Was so that four or three active ones now in the universe? Th- let's talk about it. So he's talking in the cell here. I'm like, oh, man, they foiled my plans. He doesn't say that. But <laughs> essentially, curses he's spoiled again. He's just like, he's defeated. Yeah. And he's talking to this guy in the cell next to him. And man, if it couldn't be just more on the nose, he was like, we're like all like clowns living in society. And ladies and gentlemen, they're introducing a new Joker into this universe. Yeah. Uh, this is Barry Keoghan. I know him as the guy. Well, he was in the Eternals. He played the prophetic one in the robes. He was the one that didn't stay for the final fight at the island. <laughs> he just bailed at, at the final thing. But I know him best as the guy that hit Druid. Yeah, he's the one that hits Druid. Yeah, he's the one that hits his head on the pipe in Dunkirk and dies. Oh wow! Okay. In yeah. Mark Rylance's boat. So yeah, we're introducing a new Joker who's already established as being a psycho in Arkham. And yeah, you're right. In a world that has Pattinson, Keaton's coming back as Batman. Ben Affleck's in that Flash movie as well. Three Batmans. Jared Leto's, as, as long as Margot Robbie's still Harley Quinn, Jared Leto's still out there too. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And now this one? Messy, man. Yeah. This is just DC not figuring out how to tie it all together like Marvel's been able to do. That's a hard, hard job too. Like we've talked about it, right? Batman in the DC world kind of has his own world to himself. Sure. Sadly for DC, it's their most profitable and I think eagerly anticipated franchise. So they have to keep pumping more and more adrenaline into this barely beating heart of Batman that's been resurrected 50 times. Um, Is this a good tease for you? Is it exciting I get, I, or is it more of like a... Yeah. I like the Joker. That's a great villain. Um 
I guess I'm not entirely opposed to another Joker, but they do have a mess on their hands with the Snyder verse and all of the other the Todd Phillips verse. <laughs> yeah, and then now this one too. So it's not like the tease at the end of Batman Begins when Gordon's like, take this guy. He's got a taste of the theatrical like you, and he just shows a Joker card. Because to me in the audience, I was like, they're going there. I can't wait to see what that's going to be all about. We don't see the Joker. It's just like an image, and yeah. it doesn't take away from what the message of the film is, which is you're the Batman now. Go have at it. Here, it's like, no, this guy exists. You better expect him in the next movie. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lane, That's got to be in this world, though. That has to be the Todd Phillips version of the Joker. Don't we agree? Well, then you would think it would be Joaquin Phoenix, but it's probably not. It's going to be this guy. So, I mean, per character arcs, though, that was the one that would fit the best. That That's I not would, Jared Leto's Joker. I would want to see that. Yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't say, hey, we got Joaquin. He did. He won an Oscar for playing the Joker. This That's movie a, made a billion dollars. Why wouldn't we just have him be our Joker in this movie? That would have been a really easy fix. No, let's just new Joker. Yeah, God, right. what a mess, man. Yep. I mean... But that, there's no Feige over there. So, and not everything has to be the Feige because that's problematic too, as we've discussed in a lot of our Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But three Batman, three Jokers. My God. I mean, I was thankful to get a Batman movie every four years in the 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here we are. Um, <clears throat> the film wraps up with Batman and Catwoman kind of going their separate ways. Catwoman kind of figuring out there's nothing for me here. I'm taking off. Good luck saving this city. And, you know, they kind of have a moment here and he goes left and she goes right. And now they're on to separate ways. What do you think of this ending? Is this kind of good to kind of set up what's coming forward or is this a good ending for the Batman? I guess I was, um, I felt like the movie should have ended two times ago already. The movie was really over when they caught Dana in the cafe. That's the movie was over then. It was over. (laughs) Uh, just sending her off just prolongs the inevitable, which is only to bring her back. Um, I think a better ending is Oswald Cobblepot and his end to like sort of picking up the reins where Falcone left was off. Was he sitting in like Falcone's office at that, the end? That maybe that's the that ending. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I didn't really care about that relationship, Jesse. So I guess my answer is I don't give a shit. Like well, she drives off, he drives off and I, I guess I don't care. <laughs> that's fair too. What do you think? I think a lot about the last shot you see in a Batman movie. So in the Tim Burton one, we got Keaton up at the the signals right above him. Like the hero has arrived, man. Yeah. Uh, in the in the Schumacher films, him and Robin are running in the signals behind him. That that's a cool image. Mm-hmm. And then like in the Nolan stuff, he's like literally the last scene of Dark Knight is the Dark Knight Rising, and but it's Joseph Gordon Levitt. I mean, that's a very powerful image. Here it's just a close up of him on the motorcycle, and we're like, yeah, he's gonna be around for a little bit. I wanted more from that. The Batman guy and me, I need. More of the hero has arrived. He is here, and he's going to make a difference. And him just on his bike is Wheeling just down that, that ain't good. They ain't doing it for me. I'm sorry. Pretty weak. Uh, I want to talk just a little bit, and then I, I have a few questions for you here. Uh, I thought this was fairly interesting. Uh, the just the development of this. So if you remember, this started with Ben Affleck was going to do his own version and it was called, he wrote a script called the Batman and it was going to be an Arkham, Arkham Asylum film with Slade Wilson, Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke. And then through all of his divorce and Jennifer Garner and his alcohol abuse, he just was like, I can't do this anymore. And 
I think Reeves came in and was like, maybe I can take a crack at this script and was just like, no, I'm just going to start clean. Does that interest you at all? Like the development history, would you want to see, you know, Ben Affleck and he was going to direct it too. He directed and wrote it. And we know he's a great director. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I mean, is, is that maybe a better direction this universe could have taken and his personal problems just got in the way? Yeah. I thought about Arkham a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman getting, whether it's in Blackgate or Arkham in one of these stories, does a couple of really interesting things. One's it removes the costume from Batman and just puts Bruce Wayne in there with a bunch of bad guys. So then in Blackgate or Asylum, or Arkham, I'm sorry, who befriends him? And I think there's an interesting story to be told there. Now, he's not going to be in the Batman gear the whole time, but... Now you're talking about the game? Oh, really? Arkham Asylum? Oh, am I? And that's why those games are so good. So... The other thing that that offers is a chance to introduce the entire rogues gallery of Batman's Mm -hmm. pantheon in passing by cells or in the mess hall. And we don't have to have these very contrived moments like we got with the Joker in this. And you know what else it becomes? Escape from New York. Man on an island. Yeah. Away from society with the crazies. Especially if one of them in there figures it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, does I mean does he team up with the Black Mask or Zaz somebody to help get him Scarecrow to help get him out of there? He's not teaming up with those guys. You know what I mean? Though they're borderline crazy, but like I could see Two Face, Two Face, someone, yeah, to help him out amongst the crazies. I like that. That could have been. I don't love Ben Affleck's Batman. I mean, it's a very poorly written Batman and what they established, but a self-contained Batman on an island that sounds cool to me. But then again, I did like this pitch of this noir detective-driven Batman, and I mean, it got pretty muddled. So, yeah. you ready for some questions? What is your favorite tasting note of the Batman? Um, hmm. it might be that opening bit with the narrative, and then the emergence of the Batman from the shadows. I think that set a tone that was. Very old sheriff in town trying to save Shinbone. Uh, I think I might. That's not a scene. That's a. That's probably a ten minute sequence. But that felt very noir like to me, and I think set me up for something that the rest of the movie didn't give me. So I'm gonna just take like that ten minute chunk. I'm taking the same ten minute chunk. Oh, okay. it, it's dangerous to pick the opening scene as your favorite moment of the movie. That's three hours long. But it's cool. It's an I think that's an excellent sequence of, and I've been watching a lot of Peck and Paw mm-hmm. in between off mic. It reminded me a lot of that too. This kind of like anti-hero vigilante. So whether that's Straw William, Dogs, yeah, oh, Straw. Oh gosh, I did watch Straw Dogs. That's a hell of a movie, man. Whether that's Dustin Hoffman or William Holden or Steve McQueen in The Getaway, yeah, uh, you have a different type of hero and. That spur boot sound effect was unmistakable to me. It's cool. Couple that with Michael Giacchino's score that I'm still trying to figure out. An effective 10 minutes. You're right. That's the, that's the Batman fear inducing uh, in the shadows, stealthy, attacking the derelicts. That's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't want to see the detective side of Batman yeah, if maybe. it's going to be like that. It's an admission, right? It could be, yeah. yeah. What's the... Moment of the Batman. Um, Selena Kyle being Carmine Falcone's daughter. Yeah, that's brutal. Luke, I'm your father. Yeah. 
Falcone it's something, I'm your daughter. something the movie just didn't need. I mean, it, man, if we were writing and I was just like, hey, get what if we made this character this person's daughter right now? Like, we would hash it out for hours saying how crazy that was. Yeah, we'd go, why? And then we'd talk about it for about two days and then say, aren't we just making this more complex to make it more complex? And when we say that, we then we're like, yeah, you're right. Let's ignore it. Keep it simple, <laughs> let's, stupid. Let's exactly. You're, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to go with the bomb blowing up in Batman's face. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a moment of fallibility for Batman, but maybe a little bit too close for livability for a human superhero. So (laughs) uh, who's the master distiller on the Batman? This might be one difference that you and I have in this film. Um, I actually, although didn't care for the interplay between him and Kyle, I thought John Turturro was a reasonably good really? gangster. Okay. I actually did like him. And I kind of found myself saying, I wish he was in this movie a bit more. It's a very minor port part. So the other one would be Colin Farrell as the penguin, but also those are really supporting characters in this movie. I I did like, I, maybe I liked Turturro despite Miller's crossing. Despite Miller's crossing. Um, I, yeah. I, there was a point in the movie where we were like halfway through and I, I just kind of thought to myself, is Totoro the real villain of this movie? Kind of. Kind of was, yeah. <laughs> and then they do away with him. Good choice. I, I loved Colin Farrell. I, I like that casting is pitch perfect. His performance, I couldn't rec. I love when I can't recognize mm-hmm. the guy. Mm-hmm. The makeup, what that could be, what that could mean, that's pretty good. I'm going to give it a, to Pattinson a bit. I mean, yeah. I never doubted him. Like, I mean, I, I'm trying to think which Batman got the most hate. I think it's still Keaton. I mean, Keaton was just like, you can't make Mr. Mom Batman, everybody. Batfleck got, you know, his share of hate. And Pattinson got him. Mean, it's the Twilight guy, but he's been changing the narrative about his style, for whether that's Good Time or The Lighthouse. I mean, he's been making Tenant. I mean, he's yeah. been, I'm a serious actor. I thought he had good presence as the Batman. What his What he was doing, though, was story-wise, it wasn't him. It was the, the script. I'm down. I mean, where that's going forward, if that's adapting a more durable suit, growing Bruce Wayne. I need more Bruce in the thing. Uh, this kind of neglectful, I don't want to be Bruce. I don't want to meet the shareholders. I don't want to go to that funeral. That's got to end because you're right. Bruce Wayne as a disguise is more value, uh, valuable sometimes than Batman. Yeah. So he needs to lean into that a little bit more. And that's that's a Reeves thing. But I thought Pattinson was pretty good. So I'll give him some credit, too. He took the chance here. Think about this. If you, with the Lighthouse and Tenant specifically, those are, I mean, not no one taking a Nolan movie is taking a shot in the dark. Let's be honest about it. Sure. But to get out of the glistening vampire typecast yeah. back into something that's even more iconic, which is Batman. Yep. Um, that's, a, that's a risk, yeah. So I'll give I'll give him some credit on that, and maybe no one wants to turn down that role. Who knows? But uh, you know, he clearly was trying to resurrect a career that uh, was struggling a bit, shall mm-hmm. we say? And I think has done a pretty good job. Uh, and I think a lot of people see that the dude can actually act a little bit. Yeah, it's not all just kind of like glistening abs in the sunlight. As yeah, it's not that, and it, it it hasn't been that for a while. So th- I think this solidifies that for him. Agreed. Uh, and again, I thought he had just in the suit. I was like. Eh, that looks like Batman. I mean, that's, I mean, I think he's closest to Keaton, you know, body type wise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Slender, slim, 
kind of needs the suit to be intimidating. Yeah. I mean, it's different than Bale and like Ben Affleck. I mean, ben Affleck got two beats. <laughs> yeah, he's coming out of the suit practically. Uh, so yeah, I thought that I thought that worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. How are you going to rate and grade the Batman? I mean, we've been pretty hard on it. Uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of see where the ratings we have. Rock gut, well call, single barrel, and top shelf. Where is this for you? This just call. Um, despite as hard as we were on it, I think we were hard on it because the hope was the high that it was going to be great and it didn't really deliver. Yeah. Uh, it's crafted well. Um, tonally, they're going after something. There's some misses in here, but there is definitely a theme or a tone that Reeves sets in it. I think the performances, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about this, a little bit with Totoro on your part, but I think it's pretty well acted. Um, there's some major problems script-wise, and there are some, I think, inconsistencies in what we're trying or what I think they're trying to get the Batman to do. And I could be wrong. I mean, maybe we're totally off base. Maybe we just missed the film. Yeah. Um, it's call, and not like strong call, like call minus E. Okay. Uh, I probably, you mentioned something like going back and watching this again when you said that. I thought, oh my God, no way. Is it too long? I, I I don't ever want to watch this film again. <laughs> it wasn't, I, you know, I couldn't wait for it to be over. Sure. It's not the, that line. It's not that, yeah. But I don't, and yeah. There's 35 minutes way too long in this movie. Hollywood's got to reel that in, Jesse. The, not every movie needs to be 230 plus. I mean, do, uh, something about last October, November. I mean, Dune was 230. No Time to Die was 240. The Eternals was an ungodly 240. Spider-Man No Way Home was 235. Yeah. Man, I just... Can we? Can I get a crisp in ninety minutes, please? One oh five. One oh five. Exactly. I think mean, about that. Think about Predator. Predator's an out like a hundred and five minute film. Yeah, perfect. Way more action than this Batman film. Had. Oh hell yeah. Maybe better. Maybe a bit Predator better than the Batman. I'm not. I might not argue with you on that. I mean, not every movie needs to. I mean, if you're making The Godfather, yeah, go all in. Right. Return of the King. It's a lengthy material. Yes. Do it. These movies don't need to be this long. I mean, yeah, Hollywood needs to figure that shit out. Uh, or take this movie. Uh, we'll get your rating in just a second. Take this movie and cut it into two pieces. Yeah, two movies. Yeah, that would have been fine. There was there's enough still on the vine on the meat on the bone here yeah. to make a a second entry. All right, what's your rating? Call plus. Okay. I've been decidedly hard on it because you know I'm the Batman guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not coming in as the Marvel fanboy. I mean, I love DC property. Like, look at. Yeah. Matt, look at all the Batman shit in this room. I know. Tons of it. And I told you I, I pre-ordered the Sideshow Pattinson, and my Kilmer pa- uh, Sideshow is coming in May. Sweet. So I'm going to add him to the shelf over there. I love the character. Got some I, hats coming from the clink room, too, pretty yeah, soon. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, I live and breathe this character. I mean, it's my my favorite. I Every piece of medium cartoon... 1940s serial film comic book i i love it video game mm-hmm. i have high expectations for this character and i like the foundation they set with this world they want to explore this penguin element this batman i guess maybe this joker i'm willing to i'll be their opening night for the next one i'm curious to see where this goes but when you sit and think about this film for a little bit you're like oh this is kind of a mess and if they're trying to do a film noir you have succeeded because yeah. film noirs get all muddled down in the details. Mm-hmm. Double indemnity, all these legendary films, but 
this film loses focus, especially in Act Three, and that's that's a killer for me. Mm-hmm. I can't think of another superhero film that had that doesn't have the hero fighting the antagonist in the Act Three. You're right. This guy's behind bars. I I, I couldn't think of another one. So th- that's a huge miss. Mm-hmm. Just call plus. It's a well made. It looks beautiful. It's it's well shot. It's well scored. It's well acted. Yeah. a great cast. But it's just call plus, man. I mean. It's kind of it's kind of like the Joker for me, but I think the Joker's ideas and themes come through a lot better than the, what this film's trying to do, and that that's frustrating to me. Again, I watched those trailers too much, and I saw saw it too much, and it's 25, 30 minutes too long for me. So there you have it, the Batman. You, you should all check it out, and I think the theatrical window on this one's going to be fairly short. I think I read today that this forty five days. It'll be on HBO Max in wow. mid mid April. So go see it in the theater while you can, or not, just wait, and then you can watch it at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's wrap this up with our nightcap. So speaking of the foundations on the Bat universe, uh, what they're trying to do, I know of two things. They're going to be two HBO Max TV shows, one built around the GCPD, which, have you seen Gotham? That's, what, the, that's what that show was. Oh. But one built around the Penguin, and oh. like a mob show, which that should be a movie, not a show, but I'm curious. Uh, so they're trying to build like a cohesive Bat universe that's not tied to all the other shit that they're doing over there mm-hmm. with the flash and Aquaman two, but they're going to make this movie's going to get a sequel. I mean, it's going to, I mean, there hasn't been a lot big releases in the pandemic world. So mm-hmm. this movie's going to clean up. It's going to make, there's going to be a sequel. Cast me your villain or pick a villain, cast him for me. Who do you want to see in a future Batman sequel? I want the court of owls. Oh yeah. And there's essentially for those, this is a relatively new villain in Batman's mm-hmm. um, rogues gallery. The new 52. Yeah. Yeah. Like around 12, 13. Mm-hmm. There's not a per se defined leader. Essentially these are well-to-do Gothamites, but there is like um, a cabal Illuminati religious element. As long there. as they're not exposing corruption, Matt. Right. They're not. <laughs> um, and they have no intention of trying to show how bad Gotham is. Okay. Um, essentially, Think gangster, but more in the shadows gangster with far greater global plans. I'll give you two choices on who the leader of this can be. So one of the other things that's nice with the Court of Owls is there's a built-in stormtrooper element called the Talons. And these are people that they've converted into soldiers, if you will. I either want, and I think this could kill just because it would have so much buzz around it. Okay. Clooney as the leader. Ooh, that'd be good. Or if not, I'll take Idris Elba. Ooh, also good. I kind of want Clooney. Wouldn't that be cool? The the bad, the the derelict bad actor redeeming himself as this really cool villain. Ooh, that's good. It's like world banking system, global kind of shit in Gotham. And I think that there's a, a definite play with that kind of bad guy in 2022 right now. I think that there is definitely a play with the financial piece there. Um, And boy, that is a big foe for 
Batman to take down because essentially they've been there longer than Gotham's been there. And I've been, I want to see Clooney come. I want to see Clooney just like say, that was a fluke. I'm a good actor. I can do it. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Right. So, well, because he is and he can. Exactly. And I, his I, global ass would be perfect for that role. He too. just has to leave his. Just be him. Ital- just go be Italian his globalist prick that he is. His yeah. Italian villa, right? I love his acting. I just hate his politics. So. Um, I didn't bring this up, but did you get a Rob? So there's this uh, Mayor Mitchell's son, this orphan now. Did you kind of get a Robin sure. vibe from him? Because sure. he shows up a few times. Yeah. Uh, at the funeral. First one he, to rescue from the water. Too. And the first one. Pattinson taking him on as a Robin? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. I have two choices for you, and I want to tell you both because I know you're going to love both of them. Okay. I'm dying to see them do a Mr. Freeze again oh. mm-hmm. just because that character has such pathos that you can dive into because he's not a bad guy at the end of the day. What he's doing is in the intent of what he deems as right is trying to save his wife. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a, a Mr. Freeze played by Mark Strong? That would be just awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That would just look cool. They got to make that look realistic in this Matt reeves verse, but I would love to see it. I mean, if and that would lighten things up, right? Snow in Gotham. At least we're getting some white instead of the dreary darks, at least. You would even have to have, like, a Mr. Freeze gun. You could just use, like, cryogenics and genetics. You could, yeah. And that could work really, really well. That could be fun. I love it. Good choice. I want to redeem another derelict actor who's seen better days uh spider-man 2 actor i want to give dane DeHaan another shot here yeah. i want to see him give his shot as jonathan crane the scarecrow oh that is so good that'd be pretty cool that huh? is so good yeah cillian murphy was good that would be equally as good yeah. if not better they could tap into like the fear toxin and like what that like means like you, you could have a really cool batman movie there so good choice we got we got to bring him back, right? He's actually in Nolan's new movie that the, the his Oppenheimer movie that he's doing. And oh. So maybe the Dane DeHaan is going to show up again. Spider Man Two killed that shit. That, he like, comes up a lot, yeah. and I'm just telling everybody if you're like, why do they talk about Dane DeHaan? Go watch Chronicle, and then go watch In Treatment, and then watch a uh, Place Beyond the Pines too. He's, oh yeah, he's good in that as well. Dane DeHaan had something going. He just made a terrible, terrible choice. His agent should have been fired. Yeah. when they looked at that script and gave it to him. Yeah. I love those choices, Jesse. Yeah, that'd be great, right? Give how about both? Yeah, let's do them both. Two separate movies. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to. You know, team up. Villain I don't team need to. No, villain team ups are messy, man. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Let me ask you this, because I had this conversation because the Batman is a fairly joyless venture, and yeah, there was one laugh per my theater experience. Yes, ours too. Would you rather watch Spider Man No Way Home or the Batman? Spider Man No oh, Way Home. Me too. Every day of the week. And that just, I don't know if I can appreciate the artistic integrity of what the Batman's trying to accomplish, but, and Spider-Man No Way Home is just a joy. It's just like, mm-hmm. there's a lot to just revisit. I don't, don't want to be depressed in the Batman. Oh, and that movie had some really grim moments in there as no, well. it did, yeah. That's a really, con- you know, Jesse, the last year yeah. has been pretty rough with great films. Yeah. And I, again, I don't have, I'm talking about just what we've covered. Yeah. Just a few. Um, there's other ones, but I'm just per what we've covered. That might be the best film we've done in a while. 52 weeks. Sure. I mean, Dune's up there for me as well. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Just pure enjoyment and character, actual character arcs. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's some good stuff in there. So yeah, 
not to bring it back to the Marvel DC versus DC thing, but well, they're they're winning that battle. Let's be honest about it. Marvel has a thing going where they can make a good movie still, and I can forget about it the next week of what happened because it's so carbon copy. But they know how to make people enjoy it at the same time, mm-hmm. and I'm expecting that from Doctor Strange. Which again, trailer to watch it, I, like I'm kind of on board. Like I, I was always on board. Sam Raimi, come on. DC has to find a way to lighten it up a little bit. It cannot be this dreary all the time. Yeah. Their characters tend to lean on the drearier side. And the problem, one more thing about DC in this space, the biggest problem with DC is they took the beacon of light and color in their universe, which would be Superman, Superman yep. exactly. And they've ruined that character. Yeah. So they've got to find a way to get out of the dark shadow downtrodden, dreary, um, melancholy films they keep insisting on making. Well, if you and I have our way this year, we're going to spend a lot of time with DC because we have Black Adam, The Flash, and Aquaman, Tale of the Seven Seas or whatever that movie's called. So we got three more DC trips we're going to make this year. Is it true, though, that in the Aquaman, like, have they confirmed it's the trench? No, I thought I think that got scrapped. Okay, because that would have been really dark too. Yeah, horror. Yeah, horror. So exactly. maybe that was a good move. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, three more trips to the. Deuce. So what do we have? We have Black Adam. That's the Rock. That can't but have a couple moments of levity in there. It's the Rock. It should. Yeah. Okay. And so what else? And Aquaman the Flash too? and the Flash multiverse. Keaton Batman. Man, that's what I'm looking for. That could to. be fun. That could be fun. And the Flash is uh, Star City and the and the Flash are colorful. Yep. So we'll see. So next week. Okay, here we go. So Matt and I made just kind of like a grand assumption about what the Batman was going to be about. And we were kind of right. (laughs) We were pretty right. We've been dying to unleash this cask upon the Rye Nation audience. So we're going to do, it's a serial killer cask of sorts. And we talked about this movie a lot on today's podcast. Coming to you next week. The next three weeks are going to kick ass. I'm just telling you that right now. And a movie that you've been dying to cover me too mm-hmm. 1995 david fincher's seven mm. yeah this is gonna be good it's gonna be great yeah when's the last time you saw it has it been a while uh, about a year ago yeah probably from for me too uh so much to discuss the script the ending the acting the look i mean you mentioned seattle but to me what's always stuck out to me about seven is it's they don't label that city. It's not New York. It ain't LA. It ain't Seattle. It's the every metropolis mm-hmm. where this is taking place. I, I can't wait to do this. is going to be one of our best episodes. Spect screenplay too. Yeah. And then the next two weeks, the guys gonna, are going to be happy. They're going to kill. So yep. until then, till then go check out the Batman, uh, form your own opinions. I mean, you know, we're, we're hard graders on, on this curve here. Yeah. Uh, but I expect a lot from my superhero flicks, especially after, you know, a lot of great ones that we've received in the, in the last 20 years. So, Well, you love the character. You want it to be great. I do. I have high expectations. I'm not going to settle. I'm never settling with the Batman. So until then, check it out or wait till it comes out on HBO Max. <laughs> but until then, I got to get going. And I'm just... Ugh gonna go spend some time in the sun because i need some light after this drear fest that is this matt reeves gotham i got the sunscreen in my backpack so i'll join you excellent excellent i'll just just to get a base (laughs) we'll see you all next week everybody have a good week everybody we will see you in the not dark thank you for listening 
to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. The Batman is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, DC Films, Sixth and Idaho, and Dylan Clark Productions. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. I'm tired of this too. How am I part of this? You'll see.